Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. <laughs> hey, Dave. Little pause there. People are wondering, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Or were people wondering, does Dave remember Matt's name? <laughs> and, and the rest. Anyway, it is so nice to be alive and to be here with you in the year 2023. Wow. What? Our eighth year. It feels like we're in the future. Our Eighth year? Is that right? Like, no, I it was, it was our ninth 15, year. 16, 17, Wait, okay. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, because we started right at the end of 2015. Oh, it counts. It still counts that last month. So, but you were, you were counting there, but you didn't reveal the actual number at the <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, you were doing you finger counting. You were counting the fingers. <laughs> Oh, so sorry. nobody nobody could see, but I also lost count of the fingers. But surely people at home are using their own fingers. Okay, so go again, please. And I'll use my fingers now because you didn't give me the number. Okay, yes. 15. Yes. Get your fingers ready, by the way. That's 2015, by the way. We started in 2015. 2015. November 11, 2015. So we're ta- remember, but like, remember. I've got my thumb up for that. That, okay. that counts. 15 is up. Yes. 16. Yes. Second digit. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, Eight. 23, 9. 9. 9 separate calendar years. I, that first month and a bit counts as a year, I think. A full year. Yeah. That's how powerful that first drop was when we <laughs> yeah. put three episodes out in one week. 
There's no way that this podcast. No, because it can't. Because twenty twenty five would be our tenth year, right? That'd be the tenth anniversary. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god, I've spent so much of my <laughs> life with you guys. We've no loved, regrets. We've loved watching you grow. This is my longest running relationship. <laughs> wow. What, what about with your mum? Yes, True. exactly. And what about friendships? You've had many. Th- I've had longer friendships. Mm. Okay. Oh, thank God. And oh, Matt, God. Matt and I are trying to break those up so we can overtake. <laughs> That's why Christy hasn't called me yeah, in a while. Yeah. We're very threatened by Christy. <laughs> you can't catch up unless we need to end some ships. <laughs> Sink a few ships, oh my if God, you know what I mean. That's crazy. So crazy. Hey, you know what is uh, not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you explaining how this show works. God, you nailed that segue. <laughs> um, this is not <laughs> crazy. <laughs> how this show works is one of the three of us goes away, researches a topic usually listen uh, suggested by a listener. Um, they bring it back. They tell that story to the other two um, who listen politely ask very relevant and pertinent questions, and at the end of the day, we all walk away, we shake hands, and we say, and good learning to you, sir, we say. And then we, we dip our lids. <laughs> and we always start with a question. Matt, it is your turn to report on a topic. What is your question? My question is, what does Britannica describe as an ancient trade route linking China with the West that carried goods and ideas between the two great civilizations of Rome and China. Okay. Nine years in, cut the crap. It's the Silk Road. Yes, it is the Silk Road. <laughs> Could have had a funny one, but who gives a who shit? Who gives All a right? shit? I need a point. It's been ages since I got one right around. Normally, we like we have a few joke answers. Even if we know it, we're like, oh, is it Elvis? <laughs> um, but Dave's here to fucking <laughs> yeah, win this right. year. Is it the Nepean Highway? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Burke Street Mall? <laughs> See, that's fun. That's See, fun. That's fun. But today we're not we're having not fun. We're not here cut for the fun. Crap. We're right? cutting the crap. 2023, the year of cutting the crap. <laughs> Let's cut the crap, you kids. <laughs> I will turn this car around. <laughs> so this episode is about Silk Road, but we're not talking about that Silk Road today. We are talking about its namesake, the Dark Web's marketplace for buying drugs anonymously. Oh. Uh-oh. And have you bought some drugs Ob- for research obviously purposes? Obviously for research <laughs> purposes. I just had to get my head in the game. Yeah. Just figure so out that, how it all works. So yeah, that we that's could right. get in the minds of people who would visit Silk Road. Yes, and- you know me. You know that I can easily navigate the internet to the Dark Web <laughs> and then to this site via different applications. Yeah, I think you'd be fine with that. You've got a VPN. <laughs> yeah. And then the that's be- beyond what I'm capable of. <laughs> the best part is um, it becomes tax deductible, right? Yeah. It's the research element of the show. And then you just tell- Free that- drugs. You tell yeah. your accountant, uh, yes, of course, this bill to the-, to the dark web as it comes up in the NetBank app. <laughs> just- Somehow I think our accountant would be like, fair enough. <laughs> She's pretty rogue. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, that's right. As far as accountants go, pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. Very cool accountant. She's probably the only one you like, Jess. Oh, agreed. Because she swears. I think that's how you get me on side. <laughs> Most of them are real nerds. Uh, so, yes, that's right. We're talking about the dark web's Silk Road. And this has been suggested by a few people, including Liam Maroney from Adelaide, Zach Llewellyn from Hobart, Courtney Lamb from Brisbane, Niall from Melbourne, and Donovan Brown from Juneau in Alaska. Interestingly, for a, a not very Australian topic, it's uh, nearly all the suggestors are Aussies. Mm. 
do you two know much about this? No, I'm a good girl. Like the one sentence of yep. what basic kind of what it is, but I've not no history. I've never been on there, but I'm keen. <laughs> Log me in. I've never been on there, officer. Uh, I I also knew nothing about it. It was set up in 2011, and the brains behind it was a mysterious person named Dread Pirate Roberts. Whoa. Or at least that was their username. You familiar with this name? That is a pirate's name, isn't it? Yeah. It's taken from the Princess Bride novel and film. Ah. Oh, okay. That's why. <laughs> in the Princess Bride, the Dread Pirate Roberts is an identity assumed by several different pirates. They use the name and its infamy to intimidate their opponents before secretly passing on the name to another pirate to use. So, the main character in that film, Wesley or Wesley, mm-hmm. he was at one point went around by the- Fuck, I love that movie. I fucking love it. Such a I haven't good seen movie. it in so long. It's time for a rewatch. Let's do it. Let's do Let's it. Let's get the beanbags out. I reckon because I probably haven't seen it since I was a teenager. Oh, you got to see it. Oh, you it. must. You must. I went and saw it at a Valentine's Day screening at the rooftop cinema. Ugh. Oh, that sounds like a great night Heavenly. <laughs> so, um, Nick Bilton uh, wrote a book about this whole thing called American Kingpin, the epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road. Love that. Anything that has an epic in the title. Yeah. I'm in. I mean, it's epic in itself because it's so many words long. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'll be referring to Bilton a little bit. And he wrote, The Silk Road matched buyers and sellers who shipped the product right to your door as if it was simply a hardcover book or sweater, all for a small commission. Sometimes drug dealers would take their product and tape it to the back of a DVD case or stuff it into hollowed-out batteries, but most drugs just appeared in a puffy envelope, undetected by federal enforcement agencies. And do you reckon they put it inside the DVD cover or it was literally just taped to the back? Yeah, it's And they're hoping that someone just looks at the front and goes, yep. <laughs> I won't turn this over. <laughs> it's interestingly worded. Surely inside. It's got to be inside. <laughs> you flip over the copy of uh, Time Cop. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> the entire system, at least from a tech perspective, was admirably efficient. Mm. But the site wasn't just used for drugs. According to Avast.com, on the Silk Road, you could buy banned energy drinks, hacking services, digital goods such as malware and pirated software and forgeries such as fake licenses and other illicit documents. Right. When you say banned energy, energy, energy drinks, drinks, is that like a Metallica-themed energy drink or a drink that has been banned <laughs> from the market? A good question. Uh, uh, no dumb questions. No dumb questions. <laughs> that one's a little dumb. Okay. But like, I'd really like a, like a Blink-182 Red Bull edition or something. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, that uh, I don't you can see what, yeah. on the yeah. Silk Road. Okay. I don't see why that one would be- uh, wouldn't be available in shops well, it's, if it existed. Uh, unlicensed. Oh. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a knockoff. Yeah. I've just stuck a picture of <laughs> Blink One Eight Two on a can and charged you fourteen dollars for it. <laughs> oh, hi, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking Travis. <laughs> That's not how energy drinks work, but whatever. It's a great profit here. This guy's an idiot. Also, legal goods and services were also available. There you go. You, you could have the, the official. There's probably a slab of Red Bull on there or something. <laughs> like art, books, and jewelry. But the most common and lucrative trade on the Silk Road was for drugs. By 2013, 70% of the products for sale on the Silk Road were drugs. Like mainstream e-commerce platforms, Silk Road users could rate and review products and vendors. (laughs) That's funny. That's fun. This helped promote reliable vendors and weed out fraudsters. That's great crack in both senses of the word. And then you have to be in brackets, I'm Irish, by the way. (laughs) I'm Irish. Otherwise, Otherwise, it doesn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) 
Its terms of service ban the sale of anything whose purpose is to harm or defraud, such as stolen credit cards, assassinations, and weapons of mass destruction. Good that they've got boundaries. We draw a line. I mean, okay, let's put a a rocket launcher. That's fine. Fine. But But like a nuclear bomb. Launcher. Come on. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Come on. Let's be serious people. (laughs) For The Guardian, how good's this name, this journalist? Palmy Olsen. Fuck off. Palmy? Palmy. How's that spelled? P-A-R-M-Y. Palmy. Palmy. What, oh. what could it be short for? I think that's it. I think yeah. that's a self-contained name. Palmy. Or Parmigiana. <laughs> Parmigiana Johnson. <laughs> Parmigiana Johnson. Olsen's Olsen. also short for Johnson. <laughs> Sorry. Parmigiana Olsen. I prefer Parmigiana Johnson. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, anyway. Parmigiana Johnson wrote- <laughs> I'm going to name my first child Parmigiana Johnson. (laughs) Parmy wrote, Customers felt safe because they accessed the site via Tor, an anonymizing network that up until recently was a reliable way to mask their tracks, even from the police. You never paid with credit cards or PayPal on Silk Road. The only acceptable currency was Bitcoin, an encrypted digital currency that couldn't be traced with no government or bank behind it. I did not know that. That it couldn't be traced? Or no, that it, was, uh, it was only Bitcoin on the Silk Road, yeah. even back then. Yeah, yeah. So, I wouldn't have heard of Bitcoin in 2011 or 2013. No, I don't think I would have either. Yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, this article's quite old and that's why they're sort of explaining Bitcoin more than probably needs to be now. Uh, but just in case. I mean, I didn't- I mean, I couldn't have told you, gun to my head, that it was an encrypted digital currency that couldn't be traced with no government or bank. Yeah, I knew I that last bit probably. I, d- I don't think I did know, but I've never looked that hard into Bitcoin. But apparently that isn't even entirely true. Apparently it's anonymous, but it, I think, you know, it does leave some sort of trace. Mm. Wasn't well, the whole idea of it that it's on a blockchain and that's yeah, like a numbers. ledger that people can check yeah. forever? It's, and like that's a, all public. Yeah, it sounds like a thing that you can really track. You can track, but you can't. There's no name attached to it like a PayPal or a yeah, bank, right. I guess. I'd just be like, hey, do you accept MasterCard? Yeah. It's easier for me. <laughs> yeah. Can I just have your bank details and I'll yeah. just direct transfer? Yeah, right. What about cash? Cash, yeah. If you're dropping it around, you're <laughs> just taking it back to old school <laughs> drug deals. How about we just meet in an alleyway yeah. somewhere? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great, actually. Just um, meet in the park. Yeah. Across the road from my house, so it's convenient for me. Uh, I'll be wearing a red rose. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a rose? <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> Look for the naked man wearing a rose. Hiding my shame with a red rose. They get to the park and they're like, fuck, there's like three of them. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Are you Chris.W1997? Is that you, Chris? And it, yeah, the other two are, forgot to take the thorns out. <laughs> they're bleeding from the dick. <laughs> I was imagining it like on your chest. On your chest, leaving your dick hanging. <laughs> oh, yeah. Leave your dick free. Come on, Jess, bit of decorum. Why? My dick needs to breathe. (laughs) Why must I always have decorum? While there are other sites that sold drugs, the Silk Road's user-friendly interface and third-party payment system made it more popular than the others. It's just a better, yeah, user-friendly site where it just came up, you log in, it pops up, what do you want, drugs? Drugs. Big colourful button, <laughs> you click on it. Yeah. Now, what drugs you want? And you just tick all the boxes. Yeah. It's just so easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, this guy's got a 93% positive rating. Oh, okay. Okay. We're going to read some reviews. <laughs> oh. 
So, have you seen screenshots of what it looks like? Because I'm imagining yeah. it looks pretty basic, but does it, it look pretty, pretty good? It is pretty basic, yeah. But it, you know, it does. But it does have all that info yep. attached, which is I'm, yeah, pretty. I'm wild. so surprised about the review thing. That's yeah, so funny. isn't it funny? I, yeah, and that's why people liked it. You go, you buy from a street. It's more dangerous, you know. Assume it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what. Anyway, that's what people are saying that yeah. it, this is supposedly a safer customer experience. So, Silk Road caught traction quickly, processing tens of millions of dollars of sales, making its mysterious owner a multimillionaire. And the media started taking notice too. According to Bilton, as early as June 2011, so only months after it started, Adrian Chen, then a writer for Gawker, published a story on the Silk Road, which prompted Senator Chuck Schumer to demand that the Department of Justice take down the site. Can you be a senator when your name is Chuck? Senator Chuck. You can't be a senator when your name's Chuck. America's a different place. I think Chuck is quite a common name over Chuck. there. I think it may be every third boy born in the 60s <laughs> was named Chuck. Chuck. What's that short for? Chuckajana? Yeah. <laughs> Chuckajana Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I like Chuck as a name. Chuck. 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 I hate it. It's the, it's the American shortening for Charles, right? Yeah. Right on. Gotcha. Is oh, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just- They call Charles Chuck. I like Chuck. Chucky from uh, Rugrats. True. He was Charles. He, he was. And he could have gone on to be a senator. I've got no doubt about that. And was his dad Chaz? Yeah. But they were both Charles technically. Probably, yeah. Uh, would, you rather, would you rather be a Chaz or a Chuck as an adult if you were both Charles? Chaz. Yo, I'm Chaz. Yo, I'm Chuck. You're a Chaz. 100% Dave is a Chaz. Oh, yeah. Charlie's obviously the superior option. I'm, I'm going with Chaz then. But right. I think, yeah, you're a Chaz. I think I like Chuck. Yeah, Dave is a 100% a Chaz. Yeah, really? Chaz. Uh, Chaz seems like a bodacious bro to me. No. <laughs> well, that's exactly why you're yeah, a Chaz. Yeah, that's why I do, Chaz. Yeah. I'm Chaz. Yeah. I hang tan. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some skin up top. These are all things you say frequently. So <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You're right. This is fitting in perfectly. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm ticking the box. <laughs> so, anyway, Chaz Schumer, aka Chuck, aka Charlie, the senator, he's like, get it down. He's got Department of Justice, take it down. They're like, we don't know where it is. Sort of like on a mystery internet. We don't get it. Um, but subsequently- <laughs> But yeah, like, take it down. Take it down. Take it down. <laughs> I don't know where it is. <laughs> I can't. I can't reach it. Uh, subsequently, Dread Pirate Roberts required that people who work for the site scan their real driver's licenses and passports to ensure they weren't undercover FBI agents. It's starting to get a little paranoid about it. Mm. So, you- oh my God. That feels like he's become the narc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd be like, hang on. And if I'm going to go onto that website, I'm not giving them my driver's license. No. That's no. ridiculous. Well, no, not anyone going on there. This is just people who are working directly for the website. Okay, but not- So, there's not, employees. But not every seller has to do that. Yeah, exactly. like, I want to sell half a kilo of cocaine. Um, great, we'll just need your driver's license. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, and like assuming that people would even give their real license. But anyway- but then how do they get a fake license if they can't even get on the website? Yeah, first, no. You know? oh. you, so, you get on there with the real license, you get a fake license, then you say, actually, this is my real yeah. license. Oh, you can get on as a customer. You can get on as a customer. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe yeah, you buy yeah. a fake license yeah. first. Yeah, okay. Then use that. And hope they don't check your 
buying history. I love that. Which I guess there wouldn't be any. Yeah. But on this criminal website, there's a real honest system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Gorka article that Chen wrote, he said, Making small talk with your pot dealer sucks. Buying cocaine can get you shot. Oh, this is probably where I, I found out that- um, <laughs> Cocaine Drug dealing on the street is dangerous. dangerous right. What if you could buy and sell drugs online like books or light bulbs? I don't know what Chen's up to online in 2011. I'm not buying light bulbs <laughs> online. No, that's difficult. Yeah, and they're going to get smashed. Yeah. Just He's- go to Bunnings. Yeah. Go to the supermarket. Ah. Ah. And that way you can like take the take your old one in and compare it to the new one. Make sure you're getting the right one. I've also just realised I have absolutely bought light bulbs online. I have actually. Did two. you just have a little yeah. something go off that made you remember that? <laughs> yeah. How do you say? I don't know. I can't think of a- A memory. I had yeah. a memory. Yeah, a memory, memory, went memory off. go off. <laughs> I had a memory go off. I bought smart lights. Like the- Yeah. Me Damn too. It. Well, that don't feel- That, <laughs> that don't feel. <laughs> I was about to give you- I, said, I was going to say, well, that don't feel appropriate <laughs> for you, smart lights, but I said it in a way that didn't sound very smart. <laughs> that don't go you. <laughs> You don't get smart light, dummy. <laughs> oh, give me another go. Fucking Come on. hell, you got me, man. Oh, yeah, you okay. got me Thank good. You. Thank you. I feel like a fool. <laughs> pretty stupid right now. I'm feeling pretty foolish. So, anyway, this Gawker article that Chen wrote is saying, you know, buying drugs on the street's dangerous. Yeah. Imagine if you could buy it online. Well, now you can. Welcome to Silk Road. He's basically advertising it and sales went through, oh. like users and everything went through the roof. Chen, this is a cash for comment. What are we doing here? <laughs> Yeah. He continued on to say, about three weeks ago, the US Postal Service delivered an ordinary envelope to Mark's door. He's giving a little example of a user. I'm guessing Mark's not his real name. Inside was a tiny plastic bag containing 10 tabs of LSD. If you had opened it, unless you were looking for it, you wouldn't have even noticed, Mark told us in a phone interview. Mark, a software developer, had ordered the 100 micrograms of acid through a listing on the online marketplace Silk Road. He found a seller with lots of good feedback who seemed to know what they were talking about. Added the acid to his digital shopping cart and hit checkout. He entered his address and paid the seller 50 bitcoins, untraceable digital currency, worth around $150. Oh, my God. What's it worth now? Uh, Four days later- $150 for how many tabs? Ten. (laughs) Sounds like a pretty good deal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is 2011. Money. It seems cheap for drugs, is all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. But if you held, held on to that, was that Bitcoin worth like two million dollars now? You know, there's some uh, some drug experts out there yelling at their iPods, <laughs> going fifteen um, bucks a ton. I get it for way better than that. That just seems cheap for drugs. Yeah, I pay more I'm for delivered. anti-inflammatories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's not the bloody PBS. <laughs> so. That just seems pretty cheap for drugs. Four days later, the drugs sent from Canada arrived at his house. Mark said, it kind of felt like I was in the future, which I think is beautiful. That's nice. But yeah, I think uh, I think 50 bitcoins <laughs> these days would be worth a lot more money. Was that comment about the future after he'd taken the LSD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the future and also I am a cloud. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Can we do this interview later? <laughs> I'm enjoying this. So it looks like one Bitcoin is currently worth nearly 17,000 US dollars. So, um, 50 of those. So, Jess, you're still, 
I don't, think, I don't that's think that's a good deal. I think if you held on to those 50 yeah, Bitcoins. But, oh, and if you'd sold them about like 18 months ago. But here's moly. the thing. This is what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Where we go, I could spend money on a great experience. <laughs> I could go on a holiday. I could go on a trip. And then later you're like, oh, look what I could have done with that money now. But it's like, okay, you want to live your life doing nothing, going nowhere, sitting in your shitty little house, saving. Not having squ- LSD. Squirreling every little cent away yes. because one day it might be worth a bit more. Yes, for Live sure. your fucking life. Tomorrow's mm. not guaranteed. I love looking at that screen and seeing a number on it. Yeah. Love looking at that number. Uh-huh. And watching that number grow. <laughs> hey, today's yeah. the present. That's why they call it a gift. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think this kind of attention <laughs> from the media and a senator would mean Dread Pirate Roberts would have tried to keep a low profile. But according to Olsen, Palmy, Parmigiana. Parmigiana Johnson. <laughs> uh, they instead gave a handful of press interviews, unusual given their insistence on staying anonymous. Yeah. Uh, and I was just chatting to the media. In a 2011 interview, Dread Pirate said their worldview stemmed from the anacro-libertarian philosophy of agorism. Or ag- agorism. <laughs> I said it the same way twice. I had to look this up. Uh, according to definitions.net, agorism is a libertarian social philosophy that advocates creating a society in which all relations between people are voluntary exchanges by means of counter economics, thus engaging with aspects of peaceful revolution. This did not help me understand what it means. I have no idea what that means. Do you know what what does that mean? Why are you looking at me? Look at it's Dave. Just, it's, just, it's like a barter system where you, I do something and you do something. We all contribute right. something. Is that what it is? And that leads to a, a peaceful revolution. Okay, no, that makes sense. Micro. So, I trade my chicken for your pint of milk. And they mean the peaceful revolution is that just by us doing things differently, we fully change- Society. I get it. I think I get it now. Is that what that is? But, I mean. That guy on LSD is absolutely screaming it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, right that's where everything started. Now, uh, you know, thousands of years later, look where it got us. Yeah. To bloody the future. <laughs> it's like we're in the future right now. Mm. And as someone who like has that. no real skills, I don't like that system. Yeah, what yeah. am I offering you? Nothing. Practically. Nothing. Pra- apparently stand-ups For one of the few things. For nine years now. That, uh. <laughs> That uh, AI can't do. Yes. Okay, great. So, Sadly, neither can Dave. <laughs> I know. Damn it. Oh. My internal computer. He's so bad. Oh, see me at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. <laughs> April. <laughs> and uh, Adelaide Fringe. Adelaide Fringe. Fantastic March. I'll also be at both those festivals. Jess will be in Melbourne. Uh, but you both can do comedy, so you don't need to advertise it. That's, no, that's right. Yeah, don't need to advertise we it. let our comedy do the <laughs> yeah, talking. In right. fact, don't even bother. I'm probably already sold out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. How did you do that before going on sale? Well. I'm not surprised. I'm that good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he's doing interviews, and in a, another interview, he said, stop funding the state with your tax dollars and direct your productive energies into the black market. Hmm. Okay. okay. That feels self-serving. The market that I own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, then in 2013, they told Forbes in an interview that Silk Road's core role was a way to get around regulation from the state. They even hinted that Silk Road might head in the direction of selling weapons. Though this was a clear change from their earlier rule of not selling anything that could harm, they justified this by saying, quote, firearms and ammunition are becoming more regulated and controlled in many parts of the world. So, you know. <laughs> right, and also, I've looked into it. I could make heaps. <laughs> and soon enough, weapons were sold on the site. 
According to Bilton, despite their intent to disrupt the shady business of recreational drug purchasing, Silk Road became a hub for exchanging everything from hacking tools and drug lab equipment to cocaine and cyanide. People soon started selling Berettas and AK-47 assault rifles. There were even discussions of selling body parts such as livers and kidneys. Business was booming. How do we, uh, Jess is a gape. Are you worried about the body part? Yeah, part? and to be fair, I was thinking arms. <laughs> <laughs> Just an arm. What would you pay for a left arm? I don't, oh yeah, another left one would be handy actually. Hmm. But you can't do anything with it, obviously. It just arrives Why? and then you've got to keep it on ice or it rots. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not. What, you, what are you paying for it? Five bucks. Okay. It's <laughs> pretty good. No, you got to pay me five bucks. Oh. But nah, because then what am I going to do with it? I've only got a small freezer. I know, people come around and you go, want to see an arm? I don't, nobody would want that. I'd look at it. Would you? Yeah. David. You could just look down right now and see yeah, an arm. Look, yeah, look, you can but, see two of them. Ugh, an awful unfrozen arm. Oh, okay. I'll freeze your arm for you. Let's, okay. free, let's freeze your arm. Okay. And then you can have the best of both worlds. Okay. God, we could even cut it. We could cut it. Do you it want off us to cut your arm off and freeze it? Yeah, you'd have to. Otherwise, it wouldn't. Well, no, we just would freeze all. Of otherwise, it. it would hurt. No, well, you'll be you'll be numb because you'll be frozen. To yeah, okay. yeah. I think of death being as a sort of numbness. Yeah, I think it's. I think freezing to death just sort of feels like falling asleep. Yeah. So mm. it'd just be like you're having a snooze while it's, Matt and I stand over you. It's like a reverse frog in the pot scenario. Okay. You slow. It slowly. It happens so slowly. You don't even notice yeah, it. No, so I'm you never cold. jump out of the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> Some thought the mysterious Silk Road boss was foolish for being interviewed, even if it was under the condition of anonymity. I don't know. I don't know how you'd feel about that. Well, how? I mean, how anonymous can it be if you have to meet up with a, a journalist and a film crew? <laughs> Unless he's wearing a mask. Are they, is it filmed? No, not filmed. Okay. Uh, just right just in, in his own chat rooms or whatever. Okay. Like, And does his voice Imagine, like, though. Hello. Yeah. It's me, John Tyrant I think he's just typing the words. But, oh. yeah, I guess if you want to imagine. But how like that, can you be sure it's him? It's just fun to do the voice, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. What does it sound like? Hello. <laughs> I've been selling drugs online for a long time now. <laughs> I was thinking about doing human body parts as well. Very what do people think about this? Huh? That's good. It's really fun to do. Well, you two think it's a great idea, but Russian entrepreneur Pavel Durov told Parmigiana Olsen <laughs> that he doesn't care for the Dread Pirates' apparent thirst for notoriety, saying, if you're involved in something like that and everybody ignores you, the officials ignore you. And you ignore the officials. It's okay. It's like you don't exist. Dread Pirate seems to have cared more about making an impact than in maintaining complete anonymity. He reportedly took pains to keep himself anonymous, going online through Tor and only communicating through the Silk Road chat system. The highest levels of government are hunting me, they told Forbes. I can't take any chances. But obviously, you know, like the Russian Pavel Durov said, if you just stop taking interviews, they'll stop writing stories about you probably. Yes, and that that feels like that is taking a chance, mate. Mm. Senator Chuck Schumer isn't finding out about it until it's written about in a, yeah. like a, a well-read online uh, publication. publication. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. But, yeah, so to me they were probably taking a few chances they didn't need to, but even if they weren't taking chances, they were making mistakes, a few crucial errors. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) According to Bilton, no matter how many experienced hackers they had hired to tighten security on the Silk Road, Dread Pirate, like all programmers, made mistakes. Programmers. Programmers. (laughs) It's not programmers. 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 Yeah. 
programmers. <laughs> I'm so, it's, I, I mean, you've probably noticed this, but I hit the wrong syllables a lot. <laughs> classic, classic bit of someone else's. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's friend Rick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First time I heard that as a kid, I was like, that is so... He puts the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> yeah, that's Rick, right. you comedy genius. Uh, it's Mike Myers. Is it? Uh, is yeah. that the original? No, yeah. I'm pretty sure Mike is covering my dad's friend Rick. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, but I do it... I honestly don't even do it to be funny. That's how funny you are. That's how funny I am. It's just so inherent with you. Yeah. Some of us have to work so hard mm. to be funny. Not Sports me, Sportswoman of the year. <laughs> It's one of my classics. One of your classics. I still don't know how I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, Fed Sportswoman of the Year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. That was perfect. Damn it. Can we go back 10 years and I no. do another take? Absolutely not. Bilton continues, federal agents would eventually seize upon, among other things, an early coding error on the Silk Road that exposed the IP address of a coffee shop that Dread Pirate frequented in San Francisco. Dread, come on. you got to go to different coffee shops. You can't have a regular place. People also couldn't really believe this, that he was in California. He could be doing his job from anywhere in the world. Maybe somewhere where the FBI can't get to him. Ah, oh, I right, see. You're saying they can move to a non-extradition country. Potentially, yeah. Well, that's Especially what, that's now what you're some a, people thought. You're, imagine, a millionaire. Yeah, multi-multi. Molto-molto. All right. Benny. Parmigiano, is that you? <laughs> You're just going to. <laughs> so, by this point, the FBI, as well as the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, and other agencies were all looking for the Silk Road founder. The IP address led to other revealing clues in their early coding. It was a long, slow process, but the FBI were closing in on their target. Oh. The interviewing people in that coffee shop. Are you Dread Pirate Roberts? <laughs> Are you Dread Pirate Roberts? No, fuck you. <laughs> According to a CNN article by Tim Hume, one of the earliest online mentions of Silk Road dates to January 27, 2011, when a user under the handle Altoid made a post on a forum for users of magic mushrooms. Uh, this is what the post was. I came across this website called Silk Road. I'm thinking of buying off it. Let me know what you think. That sounds like a completely natural post. <laughs> yep. Completely genuine. Yep. <laughs> I've heard great things about this website. Hey, why don't you check it out? All my friends are doing it. I've yeah, heard it's fantastic. Maybe you should too. Yeah. I've just stumbled upon it myself. <laughs> Didn't create it, that's for sure. Because <laughs> it is difficult to get the word out initially, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh-oh. People don't stumble across a dark web website, <laughs> you wouldn't have thought. <laughs> yeah. so hard to get to when you know how to get to it, I assume. Two days later, someone- Again, using the handle Altoid, made a similar post on a forum called Bitcoin Talk, uh, recommending Silk Road and providing a link. Has anyone seen Silk Road yet? <laughs> it's kind of like an anonymous Amazon.com. <laughs> I don't think they have heroin on there, but they are selling other stuff. I don't think they have heroin okay. on there. Yeah, see, that's playing it really cool. Yeah. He's not overselling it. Yeah. Here's something they don't have, yeah. unfortunately. B- bit disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. If no. enough of us give feedback. Yeah. <laughs> They love heroin. Uh, so, clearly the posts, or clearly they seem to be an attempt to drum up interest in Silk Road, <laughs> uh, employing an online marketing tactic called astroturfing, which I hadn't heard that term before. Right, when you just try and do a natural post about something. Yeah, I guess so. Astroturfing. Investigators were given a major break when eight months later, Altoid made another post, posting on Bitcoin Talk, 
stating that he was looking for an IT pro in the Bitcoin community to hire in connection with a venture-backed Bitcoin startup company. And pretty vague. Mm. That could be anything. Could be anything. But people who were watching did, you know, realize it was the same user, Altoid, who was doing that astroturfing before. And then the post asked any interested parties to contact Ross Albright at gmail.com. Oh, Ross. Ross, Ross, Ross. It's so, so easy to set up a Gmail and uh, you can you can name it anything. Yeah, Ross Albright won. Yeah, throw him off throw the, him the set. <laughs> it's so easy. Sounds like Albright's a pretty ironic name, Ross. <laughs> Unless it's not a real name. Oh, his real name's Ross Dumbshit. <laughs> That's pretty That's clever. That's clever. So, so could this be the true identity of Dread Pirate? Hey, everyone, email me. Also, this is my dress if you want to do a face-to-face interview. <laughs> I also love this coffee shop. <laughs> I frequent it frequently. <laughs> I pay it with the money I make from, from Silk Road, which I founded. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I, I think I've said too much. <laughs> why does it, why does I don't this, go to that coffee shop. <laughs> why doesn't this keyboard have a backspace? Oh, God. Oh, no. oh God. <laughs> All of these clues, as well as other slip-ups, led federal agents to a guy quietly working away at his laptop one afternoon in October 2013. Olsen, Parmigiana, takes the story back up from there. On a bright Tuesday afternoon at around 3.15pm, a handful of plain-clothed FBI agents climbed the stone stairs of Glen Park Library, an unobtrusive building on Diamond Street in San Francisco. They entered the library in staggered succession, gradually making their way towards its far corner, the science fiction section. There, sitting at one of the faux wooden tables, was a pale young man with dark hair, jeans and t-shirt. He was on his laptop, chatting with someone online. Staff had not recognised the slim man with wide-set eyes, but then people often came here to use the free public Wi-Fi. His name was Ross Albright. Oh, Ross. Ross. Also, how do they know where in the library to go? Libraries can be pretty big. Yeah. Imagine being like, okay, he's at the state library. Yeah. Got it. That place is fucking huge. All right, he's a computer hacker. Science fiction section. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. They've got their best FBI profilers on the case. (laughs) He's He's got floppy hair. He's going to want a dark corner. Mm. So, he's not going to be in the main area where everybody sits. That's clever. His yeah. eyes are probably wide set. Yeah, what a strange thing to I say. Lo- yeah, I love how um, the f- flat, more flowery articles, there's some that just go, here's the crime committed, here's what happened. Yeah. But one, the ones, I like the ones, you know, the Vanity Fairs. Yeah. And the uh, this one's, I think, maybe Guardian. You know, they really fluff it out a yeah. bit. Yeah. He fidgeted with a silver ring on his right hand. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> That's noteworthy. Because it's unusual. Oh, yes. <laughs> Who is- dresses such a- in such a way? What's he trying to tell the world? Uh, he's pa- pale <gasps> because he's inside he's all the time inside. like a nerd would be. <laughs> says more than you think. Uh, so, anyway, so they find Ross Albright, a 29-year-old former physics and engineering student from Austin, Texas. Stay weird. <laughs> there was a crash that sounded like someone had fallen onto the hard-tiled floor, the library staff later remembered. Poking their heads around the shelves, they found the young Albright pressed up against the window by what seemed to be several other library patrons. It looked like, at first, a fight. So, the, the librarians are like, whoa, they didn't realise they were FBI agents. Oh, They're like, oh, there's a brawl in the library. Have they gone undercover as, like, uh, other nerds <laughs> yeah. walking around? 
in and, their and, jeans and t-shirt. Okay, yeah. Couple of cardigans. That hang on. Some glasses. That nerds looks like they've been outside. What the hell? Got a bit of a gl- healthy glow to their skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, FBI agents undercover. They're definitely. You could definitely buy them just being nerds. I'm sure. Like you know, undercover ticket inspectors on our trains. Yeah, yeah coming in. They never stand. Never at all. Walking to the library. Hello, I'd like one graphic novel, please. That I love. Love them. Love a graphic novel. Yeah, I love um, undercover ticket inspectors. It's nice because it's so common to see uh, a group of about five people, always with one old man wearing cargo shorts. Yeah. And they just sensible a, shoes. A Clearly, people group. that would never be hanging out together. Yeah, this must sound dystopian to people in other countries that we have undercover ticket inspectors. Yeah, it's, it's so fucked. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's so fucked. Ah. Anyway, back to Parmigiana's article. <laughs> Where the FBI is, the silence said. I think that tipped off the librarians. Ah. They were. They said everything's under control. Soon, Albright was in handcuffs and chatting to several agents who blockaded him into a corner of the library. I like to think the librarian, like they're like, "Don't worry, everything's under control." And the librarian's like, "Yep, but it's being a little noisy." (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And I noticed you knocked a couple of books off that shelf. I want them picked up and I want them put back in the right place. Please. Via the Dewey Decimal System. Okay. Please respect the system. I don't want to be coming back along here and be like, "What the fuck is this book doing here?" Okay. Okay. So number. One, keep it down. Number two, books back, please. <laughs> Number three, always respect the work of Dewey. Okay. Thank you. Probably Gary you Dewey, were. was it? Gary Dewey. Gary Dewey. What a fantastic system. Yeah. And we, we thank Gary Dewey for it. We thank him. That's why his photo's up on the library wall. <laughs> Every library in the world. So he's, he's cuffed, he's chatting to the agents, and they walked him out of the library, two of them returning not long after in blue FBI jackets. And they're like, well, now we can come back in uniform. That's so <laughs> But to weird. come back and be like, it's okay, folks, we were FBI all along. <laughs> and they did, they did a sweep of the area, but they didn't find anything. The person Albright had been chatting to online, according to the FBI, had been a cooperating witness in their investigation. Oh. oh okay. A snitch. Yeah. Oh, so whereabouts are you sitting? Oh, science fiction section. No worries. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this was the result of more than a year of dogged cyber sleuthing and old-fashioned detective work. Yeah, they dogged him. News of the arrest broke the following day, the 2nd of October, 2013. Police claimed that Albright had been running Silk Road since 2011 and for the last year had done so from his home in San Francisco as well as a nearby cafe. They charged him with drug trafficking, money laundering and worse. What's worse than drug trafficking or money laundering? I'll talk about that soon. What? little sizzle. Oh, okay. but I want to know now. Well, you're going to have to wait two, that's three minutes. How, that's how sizzle works. Because <laughs> I am dying to find out what could be worse than drug trafficking and the other one, money laundering. <laughs> what could be worse? Drug Mo- laundering? Moida. <laughs> Jess, please. <laughs> Zip those lips. <laughs> Think about it like you're in a library and- Oh, okay, sorry. So they got their man. All bright. <laughs> they got their man. <laughs> we did the rest of the episode whispering. <laughs> All bright was Dread Pirate Roberts. 
Did he stand up and yell that out in the library? I <laughs> am a dread pirate, ro- hoping that it would be a, a captain my captain sort of yeah. situation. He'd be like, shut the fuck up. I've yeah. got a physics exam tomorrow. <laughs> no, he denied it. He said, that's not me. Matt? This is a frame up. I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. I've never even seen The Princess Bride. What are you- What the hell? T- oh, damn it! I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even sold drugs online. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Wait, no, that's right. Hang on, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've never done that, what you're saying. So, as it turned out, the quite unassuming 29-year-old creator of Silk Road was willing to do anything to protect his business, but he said he didn't run. Okay. Even Moida. What? What? More on that soon. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are the sizzle king this week. I am dying over here. The sizzle. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm melting. But before we get to that- <laughs> Let's go back to the start. According to Bilton, <gasps> back in 2011, not all the way. I'm not going to do it. I was going to say, it's been like 45 stuff. minutes. This is crazy. Why are you going to start again? <laughs> yeah, love it. I flubbed a few lines there. I want to start again. <laughs> Let's, you know what? I felt like my energy wasn't right. Let's start from the top. Uh, according to Bilton, back in 2011, Albright was making $300 a week as a lab researcher. He was sleeping in a basement and his only belongings were two black garbage bags at the end of his bed, one full of clean clothes, the other dirty. So, this is in 2011, the year he started the whole bloody thing. Wow, 300 bucks a week's not a lot. Then a big idea dawned on him, no different from the ideas that spawned Uber, Airbnb, Twitter, or Facebook, just like the 10,000 other entrepreneurs who land in San Francisco with a fantasy and a computer. Albright typed lines of code and out came a world that didn't exist before. What did he type it into? He's got no possession. He's typing into a garbage bag? (laughs) What's he typing into? (laughs) Yeah, Bill might have- uh, The garbage uh, bag was also his girlfriend. (laughs) Over-exaggerated his lack of uh, (laughs) belongings. So, he went over to his personal vending machine, got a nice cream soda, (laughs) cracked it open, and got onto one of his several MacBook Pros. (laughs) He attended Penn State University, where he studied material science and engineering, so maybe he was using one of their computers. Okay. Dave. Right. I don't know. <laughs> According to Bilton, Albright developed an affinity for Anne. Is it Anne Rand? A Y N? Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand books. The writer. The writer, that's right. And uh, he was also into libertarian philosophy. He appeared to view the world not as it was, per se, but as he wanted it to be. Albright adhered to a particularly defiant strain of Randian dogma. The question isn't who is going to let me, it's who is going to stop me. Somebody stop me. (laughs) In political debate clubs and at the corner room diner on campus, the young Albright fixated on the ostensible inconsistencies in how the US government determined what was and what was not legal. Big Macs led to diabetes and heart attacks, he would often argue. Oh, God, you're the fucking worst person to be stuck in a room with. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. So why wasn't, why was McDonald's lawful? Cars facilitated tens of thousands of casualties per year, he noted, yet they remained highly unregulated and were capable of going several times the speed limit. What, do you want to just walk everywhere? Shut the fuck up. Shut up. The same was true for alcohol and cigarettes, which have killed millions. So why, Albright provoked, were recreational drugs illegal? Now, he's not suggesting any of those things become illegal. He's suggesting that everything basically becomes legal. Every, okay. Everything, you know, it's your choice. If you want to, if you want to have drugs, you can have drugs. Personal choice and that sort of stuff. Uh, to Albright, it seemed like an arbitrary distinction. Weren't people inevitably responsible for what they put in their own bodies, be it fast food, booze, cigarettes, or say marijuana? Mm-hmm. Huh? I've heard mm-hmm. of it. 
The spicy leaf. <laughs> I couldn't think of a real. <laughs> I can. What's I can think of a real no, nickname for it? Spicy leaf. The spicy leaf. Yeah, you mm. nailed it in one. How about we? Uh, hey, come over tonight. I'll order some zard. We'll have some spicy leaf. <laughs> the real problem with the drug business, he surmised, was that it was violent and opaque. So he came up with the germ of an idea. What if there was a website like Yelp? that rated buyers and sellers so that exchanges would be fair and more transparent. There would be fewer fatal overdoses, he reasoned. But Albright wasn't simply a precocious and edgy libertarian. He was also a gifted, self-taught computer programmer. 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 <laughs> and so, like many bright kids in their 20s, Albright eventually headed to San Francisco to develop his company. It's funny because normally people go there and they're doing it in the open having meetings about getting funding and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That, he was going there to go to a cafe. Yeah, isn't the whole reason to go to this big expensive city is to get those connections, right? But he's trying to do it on the download. Yeah. So he could he didn't have to go to San Francisco at all. I don't think so. Hmm. I, but maybe. Maybe yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like it to yeah. me. But I'm but a simple man. You are so stupid. So you probably don't get it. Within 18 months of the operation, the Silk Road was processing $500,000 per week in sales and Albright was sitting on millions in cash. So, is he getting like a little cut? Little he percentage? gets a little cut from every sale. That's right. How, sorry. Well, how quickly was this? Uh, this is in the first 18 months. Wow. But it was really happening even, you know, even quicker than that. He was making- Yeah. He was, he'd made millions in the first year. That's wild. I wouldn't mind making a million dollars in a year. Yeah. If, I mean, if he could go back, I reckon he, he'd do it for six months, make a lifetime's fortune, get out. Yeah. Just shut it down. Yeah. Disappear mm. like the wind. But that's not how it works. You get you get some money and you're like, yeah, but I could have more money, mm. you know? Addictive. This is the last big, what do they, what do they say? <laughs> this is her last big job. Yeah, one yeah. out of the business. One yeah. last job. It's his first and last job. Yeah. Uh, if the Silk Road was valued by traditional venture capitalists, it would have been among the most successful startups in Silicon Valley history. Whatever reservations Albright may have had seemed quickly overwhelmed by his ambitions to keep the site growing. When he launched Silk Road, Albright had daydreamed that perhaps a few people might see it. Almost immediately, however, it became a phenomenon. He started with a mentor who operated on the Silk Road under the name Variety Jones. They went by a bunch of different names, but I'm just going to refer to them as Variety Jones. Albright never met him in real life. Jones gained Albright's trust when he pointed out a major security hole in the site. He's like, hey, by the way. Yeah, okay. People can just steal so much Bitcoin from you if you don't fix this up. And he's like, huh, thank you. Thank you for not stealing a bunch of Bitcoin from I will, me. Uh, I'll fix that up. So, yeah, they ended up chatting a lot and he, he basically was his his- Criminal mentor. Um, Aw. That's actually quite nice. That's nice. Mm. He, his deal was he sold um, seeds, like, I think like marijuana seeds. That was Variety Jones' you know, main thing. give a man a fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 give a man a fish. Here's the fish. What am I meant to do with this? <laughs> Is it alive? You Smoke it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Man to grow his own fish. <laughs> hey, you planted? <laughs> Little greenhouse out the back. The rest is up to you. <laughs> Growing fish in the ceiling. <laughs> uh, back to Bilton. When he shared his charts and this is uh, uh, Albright. When he shared his charts and graphs showing sales and revenue with Variety Jones, 
It was apparent that the company would earn $100 million in sales in its first year. After Jones did the maths, he predicted that the site would earn $1 billion in sales the following year. It might grow by a multiple of 10 by 2014. Obviously, it never got that far. Oh, spoilers. If it kept going, it would be the biggest company in history. Yeah. Uh, And as the sole owner of the site, Albright reaped all of the profits directly. During the course of 2012, as Albright attempted to come to terms with the scale of his creation, he formally hired Variety Jones to become his de facto CEO coach, paying him as much as 60 grand per session. Variety Jones was also the Princess Bride fan. He was the one who suggested that name. I think before that, he was just using the name admin. And um, Variety Jones like, it'll give the impression that, you know, it could be any people. All these people are using it. Yeah. So, it's sort of a- Oh, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Bit of fun. Because when I see admin, I think one person. Absolutely, yep. It's not possible that admin could be (laughs) multiple people or- Admin Williams is their name. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, hello. Hello, admin. Ms. Williams. (laughs) So, the seed salesman- is now getting paid sixty grand a session. Yeah. That's pretty good for a seed salesman. Yeah, he like he he was a very experienced, very uh, wealthy drug dealer, seed salesman. Sell a lot of seeds. And he he talked about how he was living. He was always on the move, and he was suggesting maybe that's a good idea for oh, Albright as well. Well, he listen to your mentor, man. You're paying him sixty grand. You should at least listen to what they're saying. If anybody wants to pay me forty grand a session, I'll coach you. Okay, what are you coaching? Oh, in? great! What Undercutting variety. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. That's how business works. Oh, backstabbing a race to the bottom until no one gets paid anything at all for telling people how to sell drugs. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a real piece of work. Thank you. Can I have forty thousand dollars, please? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Bilton. At first, Jones wanted to ensure that the creator of the site knew what was at stake. And this is, so the FBI ended up with all their communications. And this is a quote from him. Not to be a downer or anything, Jones wrote to Albright in a secure chat room on the site. But understand that what we're doing falls under US drug kingpin laws, which provides a maximum penalty of death upon conviction. The mandatory minimum is life. But by that point, Albright seemed concerned more with the growth of his company than with its collateral damage. He replied, balls to the wall and all in, my friend. Oh. That's badass. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'm going to go put my balls on that wall. What does balls to the wall mean? Well, what you just said. You go put your balls balls on the wall? wall? Why? Well, it's just, you know, it's like one of those weird, like a handshake seems weird. Uh, the first time you do it. But putting your balls on the wall. It's the same. Yeah. After all, this feels naturally. Stop questioning it. In the business, it's just a business thing. When you're all in, you everyone just goes up and Put, puts their balls on the is wall. Is there one specific wall that's always used? The or? ball wall. Yeah, every every large company worth its you know its weight has a ball wall. Which yeah. one's our ball wall? Oh, this company's not worth its weight. Absolutely not. We're not there yet. Really? Do you, think, do you think we're balls to the wall all the way in? Can I put tits to the mitts or something? <laughs> If you think we're ready. <laughs> I just want to participate. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dave and I have not put our ball- Well, I can't speak with Dave. I've never put my balls on a wall. Oh, I have. I've dipped my toes on a wall. What? <laughs> Fuck. That's weird. <laughs> Keep your toes away from our ball wall. Freak. 
I'm more of a toe dipper than a, a ball waller. Okay, freak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gross. All right. Whatever you're into, but that's weird. <laughs> We're here for business, not weird stuff. Well, anyway, Albright's balls are to the wall. Oh. But it's not good, is it, when, like, I don't know, you do eventually get caught and they're like, you were clearly aware of what yeah. you were doing, what the risks are. You can't even say, oh, no, I didn't know. You, you've you literally written down what we're doing yeah. could result in this. Yeah. Damn. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. As Dread Pirate Roberts, he was featured in stories on websites like Forbes and Gorka. And at the same time, Albright lived modestly, running his multi-million dollar website anonymously from coffee shops and libraries throughout San Francisco, wearing, get this, a t-shirt and jeans. Ugh, yuck. Uh, he lived in a share house and his housemates didn't know what he was up to. If they ever asked what he was doing on his laptop all day, he told them he was a foreign currency trader. According to Bilton, by early 2013, Albright was encountering his first major management crisis. One Silk Road employee, a family man in central Utah, had been arrested in a cocaine deal and Albright believed he'd stolen $350,000 of his money through one of these sort of security loopholes. He just skimmed a bunch of Bitcoin. Albright treated security as his top priority. He discussed everything on a secure chat application and after the alleged theft, he consulted Variety Jones, his mentor. The first solution seemed the easiest, to simply pay the employee, Curtis Green, a visit and subsequently scare him into returning the stolen money. The second solution involved beating Green up for his treason. But well, has Green been arrested? Uh, yes. So we're going to visit him in jail I and think say, he, hey, give me the money back. I think he's out on bail. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've got millions of dollars. You're going to go talk to this guy that's been arrested for doing your stuff? Well, he was nervous that the site was based on trust and scruples. That's what he's thinking. So, if the word got out, that this guy got away with it, uh. 
then Others it would be a slippery slope and oh, everyone right. would start respect. taking cash. Yeah. So he was, he feared that neither of these options would work. For days, he ummed and ahed over the decision. Like he was basically a computer geek. Was he really capable of being involved in such violence? Well, according to Bilton, Albright had imagined that it might all come down to this one day. That at some point during the prodigious rise of his hot tech startup, he would be obliged to make a terrifyingly ruthless decision. Now, in early 2013, that time had arrived. The question was rather simple. Was he ready to kill someone to protect his billion-dollar company? After a few days, Friday Jones messaged Albright. So, you've had time to think, he wrote. You're sitting in the big chair and you need to make a decision. He's basically saying... What's it going to be? What's it going to be? We're going to go all in and kill this guy? Albright finally replied... I would have no problem wasting this guy. So Albright organised a hitman for the murder of Curtis Green. After paying for the hit, he asked for proof of death. According to Olsen, when he saw the photos, he stated, I'm, quote, a little disturbed, but I'm okay. I'm new to this kind of thing, is all, he added. I don't think I've done the wrong thing. That sounds like someone trying to convince themselves. Oh, I haven't done the wrong thing. I'm fine with this, aren't I? Am I fine with this? Oh, my God. Yeah. Albright kept the photographic proof of the dead green in a folder on his computer. I'm pissed that he turned on me, Albright told the hitman. I'm pissed I had to kill him. I just wish more people had some integrity. And the hitman's like, I don't need to hear any of this. I'm just doing the job. You don't have to- That's fucking bonkers. You don't have to tell me all these details. I don't need to know. He's like, yep, cool. Let me know if you- Need any more. Need any more done. I don't work Sundays. <laughs> that, that is so. He thought he thought that he had to do this because more people would steal from him. Yeah, that's right. So he had to send a message. Oh, who cares? It's real mafia sort of sounding yeah. stuff. You've got so much cash. You're not even spending it. You're still living out of a garbage bag in a share house. <laughs> hey, that's my girlfriend. You're talking about. <laughs> this is this his hope. He was going to restore order by. Killing this employee of his. Great. But according to Bilton, that's not really what happened. It didn't quite work out that way. Things moved fast in the technology business, and within a few years, the Silk Road had simply become ungovernable. It was growing so rapidly that it became a more vulnerable target. Outside hackers started knocking its servers offline for ransom, anywhere from $10,000 to $100,000. Then others on the site became brazen and started trying to blackmail Dread Pirate Roberts as well. Bilton continues... Within a short period, Curtis Green's murder would go from an exception to a playbook. Throughout early 2013, while tapping on his keyboard in public libraries and coffee shops, Albright would hire hitmen to murder drug dealers and hustlers who tried to steal from him. Oh, my God. Far out. Yeah, wild, right? Just just a slippery slope from- Yeah. yeah. He just he started out just wanting to- uh, Make buying drugs a bit easier. Yeah, that's right. I wanted. I want a better society. Now he's like, kill that guy, kill him, kill her. Yep, yep, good. That's crazy. There was there was one chat with someone else who worked with him who was like, hey, I don't really agree with murder. <laughs> it's, it sort of goes against our beliefs a bit. And they're like, but the same person said something like, but maybe what he's done almost deserves assassination. <laughs> it's like it's weird how they sort of in this weird bubble that they <laughs> far out. And Variety Jones is sort of. Um, encouraging that sort of ruthlessness as well. He grew more paranoid as time went on, creating fake identities and planning for a potential escape from America. 
after talking to Jones, applying for citizenship in countries that would offer sanctuary for him and his fortune. He asked for his mentor, Variety Jones's advice about heading overseas to avoid the FBI. And according to Andy Greenberg, writing for Wired, Jones advised him to make sure your plan includes at least two backup locales. Jones added the cost and wait times for citizenship in various island nations. For instance, Dominican Republic, 24 months, 10 grand gets you a citizenship. Bahamas, four months, 280 grand, he wrote. You can never have too many passports. I plan on collecting passports like Pokemons. Gotta get them all. Yeah, no, we got it. Just gotta catch them all, idiots. <laughs> you, you didn't say it right. Fuck! Get it right. He, yeah. If if he if he ever heard of that being read out in court, he'd be like, "Damn, (laughs) I'm so bad." I know. I just said the wrong thing. I know what it is. I'm a big fan. I can name them all: Pikachu, Charmander, etc. Shit! Could restore my reputation in this courtroom. I don't think you've convinced anyone by saying. Pikachu. <laughs> Even I don't know that one. Squiddly dinks and, and flippy flops. Yeah, I don't know those. Jess has convinced me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> uh, back to Greenberg's article. At another point, Jones brought up the possibility that Albright could be arrested, suggesting, seemingly in all seriousness, that they should have a backup plan to break him out of prison if necessary. Okay. What? Uh, this is a quote from Jones. One of the things I'd like us to look at investing in is a helicopter tour company. Seriously, with the amount of dollars we're generating, I could hire a small country to come get you. And remember that one day when you're in the exercise yard, I'll be the dude in the helicopter coming in low and fast. <laughs> oh I my promise. Oh, these fucking nerds. They live in a real fantasy, aren't they, oh in their minds? Oh, my God, the video games they've played. Flying the in. drugs they've done. <laughs> I think we- I don't think America- would protect the airspace over their jails at all, would they? Just know that every time you go out into the exercise yard could be the time that I'm hanging out of a helicopter with my arm outstretched <laughs> to save you. Yelling, I got you, brother. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Tom Cruise. Monkey I got this. grip and away we fly. Exactly. It's the strongest grip. I've never worked out a day in my life, but I'm confident I can hold it. <laughs> that I'll be able to fly the helicopter myself and also hang out of it too. No, Dave, I can hire a small country to come and get you. That's what there's so much uh there's books and all sorts of things. Like I'd recommend people read Bilton's book if they find this interesting. Also that uh a Bearman article on Wide is quite lengthy and it's it's awesome as well. And there's so many more bits of their conversations. Yeah, at one point after Variety Jones had smoked a little bit of the old spicy <laughs> leaf. Ooh. He talked about <laughs> how- I wonder if you were thinking devil's lettuce. Yeah, probably. That's what spicy I was thinking. Spicy leaf. Yes. Yeah, anyway, the sorry. devil's lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every time my wife and I are out and we smell it, we go, ooh, someone's burning the devil's lettuce. <laughs> so fun to say. Uh, but yeah, so he's talking about one time he, he messages Albright saying- I think I've I've seen the future and it's Silk Road. My grandson in the year 2450. I don't know how old he thinks. But anyway, <laughs> and he's like, it'll just be the reality then. Silk Road. Oh, my God. Wow. Real, Real deep I mean, stuff. If someone's paying me 60 grand, I'm telling them whatever they want to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You'll be president. Yeah. If you'll you be, want. I'll you pick want. you up from the helicopter, yeah. break out of jail, drop you off at the White House. Yeah. <laughs> Put you in the big chair. Yeah, that's right. The even bigger chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so wild. I'm looking forward because, like, obviously we know he's going to get arrested. I'm looking forward to the helicopter scene. I'm sure Variety yeah. Jones is yeah. going to do it. Can't wait. Can't wait for us to learn that his real name is Joe Biden. 
he did become president. Uh, so they were clearly feeling the pressure and it was affecting him in different ways. They were talking about all sorts of precautions and wild contingency plans as the paranoia grew. I mean, just leave. Yes. Get on a plane tomorrow. He, yeah, he should just- Fly first class and then think about it. Yeah. Make these- make, Continue planning- Somewhere else. Yeah, but you keep going to your regular coffee shop. Uh, anyway. And as, of course, as it turned out, the paranoia was justified. Mm. The feds were onto him. When he needed to buy fake IDs, he was obviously able to do so using his own website. Yeah, that is handy. And according to Alex Hearn writing for The Guardian, in July 2013, a package from Canada was intercepted at the border as part of a routine mail search and found to contain nine fake IDs, each with a different name, but all with a photo of the same person, Albright. Homeland Security was duly dispatched to the address the parcel was headed to and found Albright there. Uh, and he, according to the feds, volunteered that hypothetically anyone could go to a website named Silk Road on tour and purchase any drugs or fake identity documents the person wanted. <laughs> For some reason, he's- What? He's, he's still spruiking. Yeah. That's how he company. answered the door. <laughs> Hello, anybody could do this. Uh, what? Hello? <laughs> But yeah, it's so he's like he's going. I, like it's not a big deal. Anyone could do this on this website. I'll show you how to log into it. No big deal. Um, so yeah, it was kind of walking this tightrope between being paranoid but also being super brazen about it. And is he in lots of trouble for ordering nine fake IDs and being busted for it? Uh, a small amount of trouble. Wow. You know, according to Hume, the FBI claimed he even publicly alluded to his alleged criminal enterprise on his LinkedIn profile, which he maintained oh my as God. if it was maybe sometime. After all this, going to slide back into the legitimate business world. Where he was making 300 bucks a week. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't out and out, hey, I run this website. But he just, when you know, after you know, it's clear. He described how his goals had shifted in accordance with his libertarian economic views since leaving grad school. Uh, And his profile also stated that since completing his studies in 2010... He is focused on creating an economic simulation to give people a first-hand experience of what it would be like to live in a world without the systemic use of force of the kind imposed by institutions and governments. He's basically he's describing Silk Road without out and out right, saying without force, but pretty vaguely describing. This is a man who murders people that disagree with him, though. Yes, no force. Yeah, yeah, no force necessary. Yeah, in yeah. The future. Yes, yeah, obviously, real- if you piss me off, I will kill you. <laughs> What do you call it when it's you this uh, in your mind? It's you're somehow able to separate the reality from what you're doing. Cognitive dissonance. dissonance. Yes. Cognitive dissonance. That's right. Yeah, it feels like he's got that in a big way. Yeah, but uh, it's so it's wild that the FBI would have rocked up and and said you order these fake IDs, but they didn't know at the time that he was the big dog. Yeah. Well, I don't think it probably wasn't the FBI that were involved in this. Uh, the people who rocked up to his house just were the people who in- intercepted the package. I, I might have said FBI, but it probably wasn't even the FBI. It was who the Postal were, Service saying this you? Yeah, yeah. Was it you? was the postman <laughs> rocked up. Yeah. The FBI also noted that Albright and Dread Pirate Roberts were both vocal adherents of the libertarian theories of Austrian school economist Ludwig von Mises. With Albright's public Google Plus account linking to YouTube videos posted by the Ludwig von Mises Institute and Dread Pirate Roberts repeatedly crediting von Mises with providing the philosophical underpinnings 
for Silk Road. So, oh, no. You don't tell me you got brought down because he used Google+. Plus. <laughs> One of the few people on earth to use it. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm, I'm uh, saying Ludwig von Mises, right? M-I-S-E-S. Mises. Mises. That's uh, a Pokemon. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, he- um, <laughs> So, so he's just he's there's these little things that are pr- providing a bigger picture. Any of these things in isolation, you probably wouldn't be too worried about. But all these little things, a lot of coincidences adding up. And so it's fair to say, while he was clever in a lot of ways, he also had many deficiencies as a criminal mastermind. As Bilton wrote, while Albright may have been a talented coder and fledgling manager, he was certainly not qualified to be running a criminal operation. For instance, the person whom he had hired to murder Curtis Green in Utah, as it turned out, was actually a DEA agent named Karl Mark Force, DEA being the Drug Enforcement Administration. Is that nominative determinism right there? Force, yeah. Yeah, he's joined the force. So, Force had won Albright's trust posing as a user named Nob. (laughs) Nob contacted him offering to buy the whole operation. Did they, do you reckon they had a bit of a committee about that? Nob. It's so bad, he will never think this is a fed. I can't believe we even got it. (laughs) How did we get Nob? I thought we were going to have to get like Nob 69, (laughs) but that was taken. That one was (laughs) taken. But Nob on its own. (laughs) <laughs> We're the only knob. <laughs> and he so he's offered to buy the whole Silk Road. Yeah. He's like, oh, I want it. He's the, the message was like, look, I'll get to the point. I love what you've done. I'm a big fan. I want to buy it. According to Joshua Behrman, writing for Wired, so when Nob offered to buy the operation, Albright counted with quite a price, $1 billion. Nob scoffed. <laughs> <laughs> he literally wrote scoff. <laughs> That's a good name, Nob Scoff. It's <laughs> like Bon Scott. <laughs> Nob Scoffed. But in fact, Albright's number might have been low. The scale of Silk Road's commissions over the next year would in fact qualify Albright to be one of the biggest entrepreneurs of the second internet boom. If it was a legit company, it probably could have sold for a lot more than that. You know? Right. But you're doing a billion dollar deal with a man called Nob. <laughs> That's right. Besides, he told Nob, this is more than a business to me. It's a revolution, and it's becoming my life's work. In essence, Albright faced a classic founder's dilemma. It would not be easy to pass the baton without hurting the enterprise, he messaged Nob. And right now, that is more important to me than the money. And while the offer was ultimately rejected, a relationship was struck up between Nob and Dread Pirate Roberts. Force and Albright. Initially, Albright asked Nob to torture Green to convince him to comply. So it's funny that he's gone from, um, hey, you're going to buy the site to, I yeah. don't know if it was under a different name or what, but it was talking to the same, this same guy. Because that is, yeah, wild to be like, yes, I'm a billionaire. I could buy your company. Yeah, sure. For a little bit of cash, I'll torture a man for you. Yeah. Well, I guess he was saying he'd organize it. You know, he wouldn't yeah, probably okay. do it personally. Um, and Force, aka Nob, went to great lengths to stage the torture, filming it as proof. As Behrman wrote, Force got Green to sign a waiver. So, Green's now working with <laughs> Force. Green, so, <laughs> so Albright's like going, I'm ner- to saying this to Nob, who was Force. He's going, I'm nervous that Green's going to turn. And Force is like, yeah, I made him turn. 
But he's not saying that, obviously. So he's he's confiding in the guy who made Green turn that he's worried that Green would turn and that he needed to do something about it. So he said, let's torture him and say, you better not talk about this to anyone. Force got Green to sign a waiver, thereby commencing his role in an impromptu stage torture sting against Albright. Soon Green was being dunked in a bathtub of a Marriott suite by phony thugs who were in fact a secret service agent and a Baltimore postal inspector. Force recorded the- <laughs> What? <laughs> Why is there a postal inspector here? He's just- That's just who Force got together to be- he's, He must have- They were having a boys weekend anyway, <laughs> and he's like, boys, help me out with this video for work, and then we'll hit the slots. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it- slots. Yes. Yes. Is that- <laughs> Is that but is that legit though? Yeah, like he's signed it off with the, his boss. Yeah, we'll get the postal guys in on it. You'll find out later that Force doesn't always do things by the book. Ooh, <laughs> that can be fun or terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this feels like it's got to be crossing some lines, right? Yeah. So Green said, "Yeah, we, I'll, I'll do this," but they really went all the way. So he did it, dunked him in the bath, you know. So he's gasping for breath, pulling him out. Green comes out gasping, going, did you get it? Wheezing on the floor. And he, he'd felt like their simulation was a little too accurate. They dunked him four more times to get a convincing shot. So, they basically were torturing him. Fuck. We need it from different angles. Yeah. I need, I'm going to totally. do some cool transitions. <laughs> Thinking Star Wipe? Yeah. It's Sorry. Actually, just makes it look really yeah. cool. Sorry, there was a plane overhead during that last one. <laughs> really ruining the move. Uh, but- I feel like we didn't quite hit the line on that one. <laughs> What I need to hear from you, Green, is... <laughs> so, Albright, he'd asked for this torture, but as we heard earlier, he soon changed his mind after talking to Variety Jones and he upped his request to murder. Okay. Force, okay, Nob, was taken aback. Corner Bearman, it was like Scarface on Fast Forward, Force thought, but he played right along. Over a week or so, Force conspired with his team to complete the fake death of Green. Force sent Albright photos of the stage torture, followed by photos of Green face down on the floor, pallid, smeared with Campbell's chicken and stars soup, the supposed aftermath of asphyxiation. So this photo that Albright had kept in his computer, proof of death, thinking it was all bloodied and gross, that was Campbell's soup. No way. (laughs) What an ad for Campbell's soup. (laughs) I can't believe they do this shit in real life. It yeah. sounds like a, a razor, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Green holed up in his house. He obviously had to stay out of sight as part of the ruse in a kind of self-imposed witness protection and force went back to Baltimore. Albright sent 40 grand to a Capital One account controlled by the government as an advance. And then when he got the proof, he sent another 40 grand. So he spent 80 grand on the hit. Amazingly, Force became so familiar with how Silk Road ran, this is a knob, along with an agent from the Secret Service, he ended up stealing one and a half million dollars from the site. Why? Like with, just personally, not with- Personally, yeah. Okay, knob. So he has gone rogue. He went he went full rogue. Uh, according to Sarah Jong writing for Vice, between 2012 and 2013, Force alternated between attempting to extort Albright and selling law enforcement intelligence to him. <gasps> and after Albright's arrest, he continued to seize bitcoins using his DEA authority and then laundered it to his own personal accounts rather than giving it to the government. He ended up getting busted and was sentenced to six and a half years in jail. Whoa. Yeah. That's 
That's wild. Yeah, this story, there's so many bits of this story that's like, wait, what? I think you just get so sucked in with stuff like this. And when you're dealing with that much money, it does make people go a little bit nuts. Yeah. It really makes people like make some pretty bad decisions. Whoa. That's full on. So, anyway, it all unraveled for Albright a couple of years after it started. He had about nearly three years of the of running the site. When he was found on that Tuesday afternoon in the library, he was caught red-handed, chatting to someone on Silk Road who was an informant, basically. Tens of millions of dollars in Bitcoin were found on his laptop as well. Uh, back to Olsen. By Thursday, the FBI had shut down Silk Road. Anyone who attempted to access the site saw a large digital poster saying it had been seized by authorities. Police also took possession of a digital wallet uh, belonging to Albright, allegedly, containing thousands of Bitcoins. To date, it is reportedly worth $34.5 million, and it's thought that more of the Dread Pirates takings are still at large online. They claimed Albright was ma- – this is this is the report from the time as well, so the money's got a lot bigger since then. Uh, they claimed Albright was making 20 grand a day on sales commissions, amassing a total of $80 million, much of which was reportedly going back into maintaining Silk Road o- operations. The whole Silk Road enterprise had reportedly seen $1.2 billion in sales in its existence and nearly 1 million anonymous customers making it perhaps the world's biggest online marketplace for drugs. I was surprised by that line. I'm like, surely that would definitely be. Right? Uh, On Thursday morning, a young San Francisco resident picked up a copy of the Examiner newspaper and was startled to see Albright on the front page. He took a photo with his phone and texted it to his housemate. Funny, he said. Looks kind of like our housemate. (laughs) Not looks like, his friend replied. Is. He sent back a link to a news article and the descriptions of a Texas University physics grad who had worked as a foreign currency trader. Holy shit, came the reply. The two men, who named themselves only as Drew and Brandon in an interview with Forbes, had been living in the house where Albright was renting a room for 1200 bucks a month cash. They explained that Albright had applied for a room on Craigslist, identifying himself as Josh. Oh, that's clever. So that's why they didn't look at the article and say, yeah. that's his name too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Texas man who was good-natured and clean and tidy. He had no mobile phone and chose to pay in cash. The housemates weren't suspicious because Josh had just moved from Sydney, Australia. And I think he actually he had spent some time in Sydney. Oh, why didn't out you mention sister. that sooner? <laughs> just loves it. When An we Australian come link. Up. <laughs> but did- Hang out on Bondi Beach. Whoa! Did Josh have a fake Aussie accent? Uh, like, totally, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, like, yep, checks out, Josh. He was saying he was from Texas, but he just spent time in, in Australia. You, explains- don't, you don't immediately get the accent. Yeah. And that explains why he didn't have a mobile phone. Yeah, obviously. that's right. We don't have, we don't have them. No. no. We're behind. Uh, his, his housemate, Brandon, said he seemed like a normal guy. He was friendly and polite. Had few possessions, obviously. His garbage, <laughs> his girlfriend. Gar- garbage girlfriend. <laughs> Garby. Garby. Uh, and spent most of his time in the master bedroom on his computer, engaging in what he claimed was currency trading. Right. Was that his his bedroom? <laughs> wasn't no. Brandon's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I shoot. Because, yeah, the master bedroom. He's like, I'll be taking this. <laughs> uh, the one oddity they noted was, which I found so funny that this was mentioned, Josh liked to walk around without a shirt at home <laughs> in his share house. <laughs> Bit of a the, scoop there. You mentioned that in the article. Yeah. Actually, there was one thing that made me. <laughs> yeah. Is that noteworthy? <laughs> no, surely not. That's absolutely not noteworthy. It's in California, right? Yeah. It's quite hot a lot. 
Uh, he reportedly almost never went out, spending America's 4th of July holiday at home and cooking steak dinners for one. For all the money he allegedly made, Albright seemed to have spent very little of it at all. Lame. Uh, this is also from Olsen. Albright had family back in Austin, stay weird, but housemates said he had cut off ties with friends. His grandmother, when she first heard about his arrest, seemed nonplussed about the whole affair. She told Forbes that Albright was, quote, pretty good with computers. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense. She's like, yeah, checks out. That kid's always online. <laughs> you know, and computers make people... Yeah. Take out hits on strangers. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand what it is he does, but I know he does a great job. It's a great job, I and mean, we're very proud. Uh, his half brother Travis called him an exceptionally bright and smart kid. Close friend and former housemate Rene Pinnell told The Verge that police had messed up. I'm sure it's not him. They said no one close to Albright seemed to believe the low key young scientist was the notorious pirate behind Silk Road. And Bilton writes a fair bit about this gulf between how Albright was seen by those who knew him and the actions he took running Silk Road. Like he, it sounds like Bilton's sort of trying to get it straight in his head mm. as well. How does someone go from this to that so quickly? Uh, and he wrote, Albright had never imagined that his sight would spawn all of these evils. He truly believed he was making the world a better place with it. I spoke to dozens of people who knew him through all phases of life and work, and they said he was kind, compassionate, and caring. He still stopped to help old ladies cross the street, surprise friends with thoughtful gifts, and always used the word fudge instead of fuck in emails and in conversations, even while he was running the site. But Albright changed as the Silk Road did. The line between what was right and what was wrong got moved a little each day, until there was a chasm between the two, and it was impossible to know where Ross Albright ended and Dread Pirates Roberts began. If there was one thing that stood out, it was Albright's inability to see how his creation was being used for evil, even when he was the one committing the sin. So, so yeah, it's a quite a fascinating, oh. like, study into how fucked humans can yeah. get. I'm, I'm also a little disappointed he really hadn't spent any of the money, because surely you know that this can't last forever. Right. Like, mm. you have to get caught eventually, so you may as well live it up in live a cool up. place with a jacuzzi exactly. for drive a bit, a, you know? Drive a Lambo do yeah, fun. do something fun. Don't live with housemates. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, like even in, at least in small ways because, you know, you can bring attention to yourself, I assume, by living it up too much. Yeah. But, but you can all, I mean, he's probably, you know, overdoing that. Yeah. Living it quiet. But and it, it seems if like- If you're going to live quiet, do it in a, what What did you say, with a, a country without extradition? Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, it, it seems like he didn't really have friends- like, he was living with these strangers he met on Craigslist. Yeah. So, why not just have, like, an apartment? You, you're at home or at a cafe all day anyway. Yeah. Who's actually going to notice that you're suddenly living in a fancy house? Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder what the logic was there. Maybe he liked having a few other people around that he didn't, didn't necessarily have to keep up relationships with. I don't know. Yeah. Would you guys be sus if, like, all of a sudden I just moved to a mansion? Yes. Would you? Well, I'd wonder what happened. Someone die? Someone die and leave you their haunted it's a, mansion? That's a rude question. My first question would be, Jesse, are you some sort of computer hacker? <laughs> oh. There we go. That's, these are the questions you should be asking. Oh, my God. Not who died. <laughs> that's very rude. <laughs> yeah, rocking, knocking on Jess's mansion door. Oh, who died? Who died? <laughs> Someone die? Someone die and leave you this? Someone haunting this? <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Yes. So, Albright himself denied it was him when he went to court. According to Sam Thielman, who reported on the case, throughout the trial, the defence suggested that Albright was the victim of a complex 
hacking attack that left him looking like the fall guy. Given the evidence presented against Albright, the pitch proved a hard sell to the jury. There was so much evidence. Throughout the trial, it became very clear that Variety Jones was Albright's closest confidant and problem solver. According to Greenberg, the chat logs between the two that prosecutors used as evidence in Albright's trial extended to more than a 1,000 pages. But Jones was not on trial as his real identity was still unknown. They hadn't got Jones yet. Hadn't got him. So, yeah, you wonder if he's watching the court cases going, look, I know it's got to catch them all. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Also, our main man is just on trial being like, it's got to wait a few few months. I'll hear the sound of that helicopter (laughs) and I'll grab onto my good friend. Monkey grip. Monkey grip and he'll lift me out of there. Lucky we came up with this plan. (laughs) Uh, anyway, Albright, on the other hand, of course, was in court, and after a four-week trial, he was found guilty on all seven counts, which, according to Thielman, ranged from selling narcotics and money laundering to maintaining an ongoing criminal enterprise, a charge usually, usually reserved for mob kingpins. Prosecutors said that he had gone so far as to solicit six murders for hire, although no charges were ever brought about that for some reason. Do we know obviously one was faked? I think they I think he all went through the same person. Oh. I don't think any of them ended up happening. <sighs> wow, that's so was, was kind of lucky. Yeah, that is yeah, a good end. And that DEA guy uh force you knob. Know, knob. Obviously stole a lot of money, got really swept up in it. Glad he didn't actually murder anybody though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes me feel a bit better. Cuz he did the torture pretty realistically. He did the torture and he definitely did some some stealing and I'm, some money laundering and um I'm glad that Campbell's soup looked realistic enough for him yeah. and he wasn't like, oh, "I'm sorry, man. We're going to have to do this for realsies." Sorry. <laughs> uh before the sentencing, the parents of victims of drug overdoses addressed the court. Parents of kids who got their drugs online. Because a lot of their case was once they realised they were done, when it came to sentencing, they, were, they tried to push the fact that it's made drug buying safer. And then people – and the judge basically was like, a lot of people bought drugs that wouldn't have otherwise yeah. and died from overdoses. So, it's hard to really spin that argument. Yeah. Uh, and Judge Catherine Forrest of Manhattan's US District Court handed out the most severe sentence available, all up equaling two life sentences – Plus 40 years. Okay. Do they counteract each other? Ah, oh, that's a good life one. Life minus life. That's no life. Plus 40. So, only 40 years. Yeah. So, only 40 years. <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, he's serving them concurrently, I think. Okay. Whoa. One lifetime. But he's- yeah. Is that right? Maybe it's not concurrently. Maybe he has to serve two lifetimes and then 40 And then years. 40. Right. And then release his bones. Um, he yeah. might live that long. Yeah. Because he, he was- He might be 300. Yeah. He might live through two lifetimes. Easy. Because he wasn't that old when he was- Taken down early 30s. 30s. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was 29. 29. So, uh, that that's the end of the, the story, basically. Uh, he's Just in, in jail. In jail forever. Do they ever get Jonesy? Well, all the articles that were, you know, the main articles written about it were written in 2013, 2014, 2015, mm. 2016. That point, nowhere to be seen. But I, I thought I'd better double check. Uh and it seems that after tracking these Bitcoin chains and a bunch of other little clues again, they eventually figured out that Variety Jones was Roger Thomas Clark, a Canadian who was living in Thailand when he was arrested. He gotcha. fought extradition but was eventually brought back to America on June the 15th, 2018. And in January 2020, he pleaded guilty to conspiring to distribute narcotics. 
He faces 20 years in prison, but he won't be sentenced until this month or next month. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And how old was he? Was he like a much older? He was old, Because he was a mentor. I think he was- yeah, he was old. He was a bit older. Right. But serving 20 years. So that's probably it for him too. <laughs> Maybe. Depends how much older. And depends on how he might live to 300. Honestly, yes, sorry, Dave, you've yes. got such a like narrow uh, uh, mind right. when it comes to what is life. You're right. <laughs> Baby, right. don't hurt me. Oh. But when they arrested him. <laughs> nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> when they arrested him in Thailand, did they arrest him like at a helipad or something? I assume he was organising <laughs> yeah, it. It took him years, but yeah. he was finally about to go and- I'm coming for you. Pick him up. So, he would be in his early 60s now. Okay. Variety Jones. So, so, he lives to 300 years, he's got ages. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. 20 years is a blip. Yeah. yeah. But if he lives to like 80, it's not looking good. Damn. Mm. So, it's a, it's a wild, wild story and- um. I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but surely there's a, a movie being made about this. Surely. Right? It's got, but it is one of those movies where stuff happens and you go, chicken soup, come <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, no, this is the true story. Yeah, Seth Rogen's playing yeah. <laughs> Force. Yeah. Uh, what about Knob? They're not really going to choose Knob Why as would their they cover name. Knob? Yes, there's so many unbelievable elements, but what an incredible story that I had no idea about. Yeah, wow. It's, it's got to be a movie, surely. I'll, um, yeah, as always, uh, links to a bunch of those articles will be in the show notes. Uh, do yourself a favor. Yeah. That wide article by Behrman is awesome. Beautifully mm. illustrated as well. Oh. And, uh, yeah, Bilton, who I, I, uh, quoted from a lot in that. He's, he's written a whole book about it's it too. Fantastic. I had no idea about it to the point that I thought that it probably still existed. So, yeah, same. I thought Online, the same thing. Yeah, and that, uh, and like, it was such a short lifespan. Yeah. yeah. It's been gone for what, nearly a decade. Yeah. And, and I thought it was there the whole time. So, what, you can't buy drugs online? No, it's done now. You can't buy drugs at all? Drugs are finished. No more no drugs? No more spiky leaf. <laughs> <laughs> what if I wanted drugs? Oh, I hadn't considered that. Let me do a quick Google. Thank you. On the dark Google. Darkgoogle.com. Is that a real thing? <laughs> Night mode. <laughs> you just make your screen dark okay. and you're like, there we go. Okay. They'll never find me now. So, Jess, could you just turn the lights off? <laughs> I just wanted to see what Silk Road looked like. So, I typed in Silk Road Dark Web on Google Images. And one thing that came up was a screenshot and it's stuff like uh, two grams of weed for sale, 10 grams of How high much? grade. M- uh, weed, two grams was $8.54. Then there's- How's that? Price was. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you were very confident about LSD I just pricing. Felt like like t- fifteen bucks seemed cheap, but that could be wrong. I don't know for LSD in this economy. For, I thought for LSD it should be a bit more. <laughs> right. I thought maybe like you, you can like I don't know weed gummies or something. You're like okay, well ten bucks, whatever. But fifteen bucks for tabs felt pretty good. <laughs> well, so there's amphetamines. There's a couple of types of MDMA, so there's nine images I can see. What but, kinds of MDMA? <laughs> uh, high grade, apparently. Oh, okay. But uh, no, the, thank you. the one thing that's really standing out to me, there's eight types of drugs. The ninth image is Michael Jackson discography, 1971 <laughs> to 2009. <laughs> you can buy for $2.52. Or $2. Sorry, it's in Bitcoin. It's 2.52 Bitcoin. I've just zoomed in on it. It's it's a B that looks, that looks like a dollar sign. Okay, so it's- 8.54 bitcoins, which now That's is- quite that's, a lot. That's, that's expensive. That's okay. too much for yeah. two grams of weed. Then, Sorry, the, spicy, <laughs> spicy leaves. The cheapest thing on the page is like a 
the best of Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you selling it there? That's so That's good. so funny. And that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show where we get to thank some of our most precious hot. and hot. <laughs> and our most sexy listeners. Yeah. Uh, the ones who support us at patreon.com slash do go on. Of course, everyone who listens are my favorite people, but these people, we just have a little section at the end of the show to thank them for keeping this show a-flowing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bunch of different uh, rewards they get for this uh, by going to patreon.com slash do go on pod. Do go on pod, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you get bonus episodes. There's three a month. Mm-hmm. You get access to this great Facebook group, Nice Corner of the Internet. You get to vote on topics like today's topic was voted on by the Patreons. All sorts of things. Uh, get early tickets. Get discounted tickets to live shows. It's all good stuff. Uh, but if you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level, you get to give us a fact quote or a question in a section of the show that I like to call fact quote or question, which mm-hmm. has a jingle goes something like this. Fact quote or question. Always remembers the ding. She always remembers the sing. And the first one this week comes from Lewis Rush. Uh, and I should say, as well as giving us a fact quote or question or brag or suggestion, they also get to give us a title, give themselves a title. Mm. And Lewis has given himself the title of Vicar of the Sacred Taint. (laughs) 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 And Lewis got you over there. (laughs) I did did not see that phrase ending there. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Lewis writes, oh, question. I'd just like you guys to give a happy birthday shout out to my amazing girlfriend, Acacia. She's a big fan of you guys, and she's turning 22 on the 28th of November. Well, we're getting in very early. (laughs) (laughs) 23rd. Happy birthday, Acacia. Acacia. Happy birthday. I mean, even at the time of recording, we have missed it. But um, at the time of release, we've really missed it. (laughs) Only a month and a half. It's fine. Yes, but at the time of her birthday, I didn't miss it. Yeah. I was thinking about you, Acacia. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking about Acacia. I had balloons. Thing. I was thinking, oh, I hope Acacia has the best birthday. Yeah. What date was her birthday? 28th of November. Yeah, I was um, That's. Uh, I was actually um, with my- I was eating birthday cake. Oh, yeah. Genuinely, because that's my best friend's birthday also. Oh, well, if that's not enough, I've actually got a way to remember her birthday. Okay. Remember, remember the 28th of November. Oh, yes. birthday. birthday. That's nice. Yep. Well, yeah, happy yeah. birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, Lewis finishes by saying, you bring big laughs and cool stories that she and I get to share together. And for that, I want to say thanks and keep up the epic work. That's nice. Thanks to you, Lewis, and thank you so much for supporting us. means a lot. It's nice to be bringing couples together who that- otherwise would be miserable. Yeah. Without us. Yeah, what are they without us? Yeah. Nothing. They're nothing. I mean, you call them a couple, but I think of them as a- Thruple plus two. Yeah. <laughs> a quadruple. A quadruple. A quintuple. There it is. <laughs> we got there eventually. <laughs> work my way up one at a time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Lewis. The next one comes from Rachel Johnson, a.k.a. Princess Twinkle of Piperdale. <laughs> okay. Uh, That's fun. And Rachel is Keep offering us a brag. Love, Love a brag. A brag. It's, yes. It's often overlooked, the brag. Yeah, bring yeah. it on. Brag it up. 
Uh, Rachel's Bragg is... <laughs> bring it on, bring it on! <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to an old episode where Matt and Jess talked about how excited they'd been to see Ray Martin at an airport once. Remember that? Oh, my <laughs> God, yes, we were. You were on the road show, the Comedy yeah. Festival road show, and we were there filming it. And also, in the doco that came out, it was really made to uh, look like one of the others spotted it. I spotted him. <laughs> right. I told everybody. That would have been the fault of, uh, I don't know if we want to name names, but the cameraman was Evan, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He's just in the other room. Might go have a word, actually. <laughs> Five years later, Evan. He, he obviously didn't get, get the shot of you. Going, hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, but, we yeah, saw. Quirk ended up quirk, getting all the credit, yeah. I think. Yeah. And was, I pointed him out. Did anyone approach Mr. No, Martin? No, we left no, Mr. Was, Martin alone. Was, but I thought it was a, a very funny little segment. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, um, yeah. Quirk and Jess and maybe Reese all just sort of whispering, is that Ray Martin? God, yeah. Oh my God, it's, it's pretty Ray exciting. Martin. He's taller than you think. And then some <laughs> sort of like crash zooms from across yeah. the airport <laughs> zooming in on him and stuff. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Rachel uh, continues saying, so my brag is that I've also seen Ray Martin. <laughs> in an airport? <laughs> but I saw him while at the top of the Rialto. Holy shit. That's incredible. The buddy, the blue gem in Australia's skyline, or whatever. Wow. I said. What's Ray Martin doing at the top of the Rialto? Two Australian icons. Wow! Wow! Mate, I'm going to say three, three Australian icons when you count Rachel Johnson I mean, in the mix. That's, that's a thruple right there. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> Most exciting day ever! Holy shit, Rachel! Just hearing about this has made this one of my most exciting days ever. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean. It was a brag, but it was also a gift of joy. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, next one comes from Jacob Giron. Giron or Giron, uh, a.k.a. just a real nice chap. Oh, that's nice. Good to know. Good to know, yeah, because sometimes you don't know. And I think people who, who, like, go out there and tell everyone how nice they are, they're normally- not yep. hiding anything. That's right, yeah. I'm a nice guy, they <laughs> yeah. say. I'm a re- hey, I'm one of the nice guys. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Thank you for identifying yourself so I know you're trustworthy. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob has a question writing, hoping Matt- Oh, I am. Hoping Matt's here this time because I explained my last name a while ago <laughs> and Bob very nicely explained that she would forget to tell Matt. <laughs> but a quick recap- I did forget. Is, it is- Heron. Oh, I think I say that. That's one of the options I say. Yeah. Heron. Uh, but please feel free to pronounce it any way you would like, Matt. Okay. That's nice. I'll try to remember Heron. Okay. Then from now on, it will be Parmigiana Johnson. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and Heron writes, anyways, World Cup is upon us and probably long gone by the time of reading. Oh, I love the fact that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. It's still there. For We're the at, people of- <laughs> At the top record, there's still a few games to go, but- um, And, yeah, unfortunately, Australia has been a little- yeah, right, yeah. let's go around the room. Predictions. Okay. Uh, Brazil, I guess. Brazil, I guess, too. <sighs> I'm hoping for Morocco. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Coming through. I'd love that. I'd love that very much. I have no idea. You know, we've got a lot of listeners in England- be happy for them to finally bring it home. Yeah. I was hoping for Wales early. I mean, Australia, obviously, but yeah, Wales as well. 
Um, well, I hope there's some sort of technicality where Wales had to come back, sub in for England, and mm. they have won. Well, the there's World Cup. nothing in the rule books that <laughs> <laughs> says a dog can't play. <laughs> a Welsh dog can't come and play a in the final. <laughs> a little Welsh corgi. <laughs> uh, okay, so Whoa. he says. I was just wondering, does it become the phenomenon in Australia that it does in the US? Seems to me almost everyone here, whether they watch soccer or not, is glued to every game. It is all we talk about while it's on. Can't wait to hear from you. And as always, thanks for always bringing the last. Well, America, unfortunately, we're also just eliminated at the same time, the same in the same round as the Aussies. I thought, you know, I think both countries would be pretty happy to make it that far. I mean, Australia definitely yes. always stoked to get out of the... The group stage. Yeah, it's, so still, it's only the second time I've ever done that. It's still a big deal here, but it's sort of. I think it sort of depends. Like, um, I mean, people were getting up in the middle of the night mm. and going to Fed Square to watch for and- the Australian games, especially. It was Absolutely, a pretty big deal. yeah, yeah. And I think for the for the rest of the games, it's just probably football fans and hardcore yeah. sports fans who are right into it. Mm. Yeah, and then expats or people that have heritage yeah. from certain countries. Of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not. I wouldn't say I'm surprised that. Uh, America is, as you've described it there, that everyone's watching it. It's definitely yeah. not to that level here. Nah. But it is, you know, everyone knows it's on, or most people know it's yeah, on. Yeah, you know it's But on. that's mainly because Australia was in it, I'd say. Yeah, and I, I just live with a soccer fanatic, so. Oh, okay, so everything you say, Goose. Goose, I guess everyone. Goose, he fucking loves it. He does, actually. <laughs> he's got a soccer ball. Yeah, and he's obsessed with it. He's amazing with a soccer ball. That's it's, so good. Which is so funny. <laughs> My favourite thing is taking him to the park with a soccer ball and watching other people clock him. Like, yeah. they'll sort of go, that's cute. And then they realise he's, like, running the length of an oval with a soccer ball. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> is he pushing it? Is he putting yeah. his mouth? What's he doing with it? He just, he, like, he shoulders it along. He's, he, he like, dribbles the ball now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It. That's so good. It's really cute. Well, there's nothing in the rule books. <laughs> <laughs> it says a little French dog card play. <gasps> France. Yeah. Versus Wales. Yeah. Okay. And it comes down to a penalty shootout between two dogs. A Frenchie and a Corgi. <laughs> My money's on the Frenchie. Mm. Uh, thank you, Jacob. I really appreciate that uh, question. And uh, the final one this week comes from Eric Morales, or Eric Morales, aka Junior VP of setting up Christmas lights and realising that they're broken until after they're on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Brittle. At least it's not, I, thought, I was imagining them on the roof. Oh, you know? yeah. All right, kids, come out. I'm going to turn on the lights. Here we go. Three, two. Oh, oh no. no. Okay. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I guess Christmas is cancelled this year. (laughs) So, Eric asks, what are some of your self-care tips that you can offer? Loving the pod, y'all do great work. Self-care tips? (laughs) Well, well, well. Okay, we're in your wheelhouse. Kind of, but also self-care is very- uh, Very- Universal. Subjective. Oh, I think if it works for one, it works for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, some people, self-care is like uh, playing video games. Other people, it's having a bath, um, having going and getting a facial or a massage. You love a massage, Matt. Love a massage. But I don't like being touched. That's right. So, that's not self-care for Dave. Yeah. Which is that's why- That's torture for Dave. But he loves touching. So, we've worked out a great <laughs> yeah. system- It's perfect. Where Dave <laughs> massages me. Yeah. Oh, Dave does love to touch. Mm. Yes. Um, I love to self-care. I, don't, I mean, I I do it at when I'm at my wit's end. Um, so I do it too late. But you know, goal for this year is um, 
Uh, stop us burning out quite so much. So that would be your self-care tip would be go early. Go early. Go early, go often. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> go early, go often. Dave? Uh, I love a good walk to clear oh, the mind. Yeah. Love that. I love um, with the dog, solo, yep. with music playing. Yeah. Along a nice green part. Yeah. Along an ocean. A green part. Yes. Touch some grass. Mm. Is that what that means when people say that? You see that sometimes on yeah. Twitter. You got to go touch. You the need grass. to touch the grass. Yeah, it's basically saying you're online too much. Yeah, walk. Yeah, a- yeah walk yeah, away. But I love. Yeah, the fresh air. I've been. I've been liking similarly riding my bike and and just seeing whatever route Google Maps is taking me on because it's usually down like back streets and stuff. And so I'm in areas I've never been in, and I'm like, oh, that's a nice house. Oh, that's a nice street. <laughs> just kind of wind in my hair. It's that fun. sounds nice. It's really nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what my standard because a massage isn't really a, a thing you can do all that often. Of course you can. Why can't you? Well, they cost money, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, you just ha- ha- who's got time to go? I mean, that's the best thing about it, I think is just being able to lie and and uh, not uh, yeah not do anything. Just be still for a bit. Yeah, you can't you not can't on check a, your phone on a phone on yeah. a on a computer, and you. But yeah, similar like going for a walk. Love that. I got to get back into running. I was I haven't I've hardly gone for a run in the last year, so that's a, that's a, a a bit of a New Year's resolution is to get back into some exercise. Mm. What about that tip that you've shared with me, Matt? And I think someone shared with you, uh, and it applies to us when we're doing uh, stand up and maybe trying a new bit or something. You're a bit worried about it, not sure how it's going to go, but if you've got something that that's worrying you oh, on the yeah. horizon, Nick Kappa taught me that yeah. about uh, when I was first doing some auditions. For some little acting roles, oh, auditions, fantastic. I was, see? Um, yeah, feeling. You know, I was just feeling the anxiety about it. And he said his trick was, he's like, you know, you, you can only do your best, and it, it it's up to them. It doesn't matter. It's out of your hands. But his trick was he'd uh, think of a, a meal that he was going to have afterwards as a little treat, yeah. whether it went well or bad. He's always he's got mm, that to look guaranteed. forward to. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a fun one to do. I often uh, look forward to a burrito. Yeah. After doing something that's giving that's, me anxiety, you've got anxiety about something at work or something coming up here. Yeah, you just think, yeah, out of your hands. Have a treat. But afterwards, the one thing I can control is that goddamn treat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very rest motivated. Oh yeah, I love it. So I can get through really busy periods, but if I know I've got a day off and I know I book something in like a a massage or something, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Just having a little light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah a little something on the horizon. It's nice. Book a catch up with a friend or something mm. or whatever. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, Eric. Uh, the next thing we like to do is uh, thank a few of our other great supporters. Bob, you normally come up with a bit of a game based on the topic at hand. What they're selling on Silk Road. Best <laughs> of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh, all right, great. Well, we each read out three names, and if I can kick us off, please. I'd love to thank from Wuppertal in Deutschland. It's it's probably Wuppertal <laughs> in Deutschland. It's Bastian Heckel. Oh, that's incredible a good name. name! Bastian Heckel is selling their collection of large seashells. Oh yeah! Wow, the seashells are filled with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think about it. You could pack those ones. Easy. Just those conch style ones. Yeah, if like a little um, crab can get in there and make <laughs> yeah. it its home, I can fit some freaking yeah. pills in there. Bastian has been removing the crabs and then replacing <laughs> the crabs with, with heroin. <laughs> and, and unfortunately for Bastian, uh, the DEA didn't catch him 
or whoever the drugs people are in Deutschland, but the uh, environmental <laughs> groups did. Yeah, Peter. It, Peter for really stealing really. shells and removing crabs. <laughs> and fair enough. Damn. It all brought him unstuck. Uh, they all make a mistake in the end. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Bastian. I'd also love to thank from Austin Mir in New South Wales in Australia, Victoria Waldock. Victoria Waldock um, is selling Waldoff salad. Oh, okay. Fantastic. And is it- It's filled with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I was going to ask if it's uh, pre-prepared or if it's like in little little packets, but you reckon it's just- It's just, yeah, I guess, um, because I thought it would go Very soggy. Little, little packets, yeah. little baggies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Very and at the end, little. add in your uh, you know, few grams of Coke there. Whatever you like. Yeah. But it is actually Waldorf salad. Yeah. Just this- But instead of croutons, I don't know what a Waldorf salad has in it's it. It's apple, celery, walnuts- Instead of walnuts, it's, it's crack rocks. Crack rocks. Oh, wow. For the crunch. Yeah. That the apple and celery don't provide. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, and finally for me, I'd love to thank from Mount Gambia in South Australia, it's Catherine Jane. Catherine Jane. Any Mount, ideas? Mount Gambia. Mount Gambia. Uh, I will say- uh, Catherine Jane, Catherine- maybe a bit of Mary Jane. Oh, yeah, but oh. it is shoved inside of uh, footballs. Wow. So, they take the bladder out, so there's no way to pump them up, so they just jam them. Catherine jams them full of the old spicy leaf. Wow. But it, like so much so that it feels full, and, and uh, there was a few mistakes made, and, and uh, some of her balls have been used in the AFL. Wow. Well, that's an honour. And they didn't even know. That's an honour. That's how well weed uh, substitutes in for air. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And have we ever- but no, tell me it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, if we ever run out of air, we know what to replace it with. <laughs> yeah. Can I thank some people as well? Please do. I would love to thank from Menifee. That's fun. Manifi in California, Roman Garcia. Oh, what a name. Roman Garcia shipping a box full of wigs. Oh. <laughs> you know what's inside those wigs? What's inside the wigs? LSD. <gasps> Painted onto the hairs. Really? So people so have, lick you, the hairs. You have to lick a wig, which is gross. <laughs> lick a wig. That's actually the name of his business. <laughs> lick a wig with Roman Garcia. It's now a TV show. Wow. This, <laughs> Roman Garcia is such a great this name. This has gone so well for Roman. Um, okay. I hate that. I don't like. I don't want to no, lick. I don't, like I don't want to lick hair. Wigs. I don't think it's going to take off Roman. Do you know what I? Um, I Worth saw. A maybe it was a TikTok or something, but it was like, if you look at anything in this room, anything at all, look at something. Yep. You know what that would feel like to lick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yep. true. Mm-hmm. Why, how yeah. is that? I how, don't know. Why would I know that? Why do we know that? But you know what Have every texture, whatever you like, surface texture is going to feel like. Well, it's because it's this experience of. Texture and touch, isn't it? But on your tongue specifically? Hmm. Yeah. That seems weird that I would know. Yeah. But it's fun when you think about it and then you look around and you're like, I know what that would feel like. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> um, thank you, Roman. What, that pile of wigs over there, for instance. <laughs> I don't want to lick it. Hey, that's but my I kn- pile of wigs. <laughs> Get your own LSD wigs. I would also love to thank from Bly Park in New South Wales, Rachel Rook. Another great name. Rachel Rook. Uh Chess pieces. Oh. Chess sets. Mm-hmm. Inside them? Inside them. Cocaine. Okay. <laughs> the devil's salt shaker. <laughs> so, you have to break up. You have to destroy these really beautifully uh, handmade 
chess pieces. Yeah, but you put put little holes in the top of them and then you can use them as little cocaine shakers. That's nice. When you just Sprinkle want a little on. bit of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want a full line you know, of cocaine. Like you know, when you're at one of those real fancy restaurants, they go, crack cocaine, yeah. crack cocaine, <laughs> crack cocaine. <laughs> and he, so and he, when? A <laughs> little more, a little more. <laughs> Very good, sir. Um, yeah, so thank you to Rachel. And finally, for me, I would love to thank from Glasgow, uh, Alan Kerr. What about a big bag of marijuana? Okay. Hidden <laughs> <laughs> inside the marijuana. <laughs> it's actually crystal meth. Whoa. So people go, oh, marijuana, all right. Boys will be boys, I guess. <laughs> go on through. Really, it's like- <laughs> It's a huge bag of marijuana. It's huge. It's like a pillow. A pillow of marijuana, which obviously anybody uh, and a security guard, police officer, border security will be like, well, boys will be boys. All right. You little scamp, get in there. With their pillow of marijuana. Oh, when you go to schoolies or something, all right, have a good time. (laughs) Don't green out, all right. (laughs) Is that what the kids say? Is that what the kids say? (laughs) (sighs) That's Uh, good stuff. Thank you, Rachel Rook. Hey, I would like that to thank you, Alan Kerr. Thank you, Alan Kerr. Alan Kerr. Good luck out there, Alan. Rachel's had enough thanks. <laughs> Rachel, oh. I take that last thank you back. <laughs> hey, I'd like to throw an extra thank you to, from Sacramento, California, Kirsten or Kirsten Rosenbach. That's a, another fantastic name. God damn. I like that name a lot. I'm thinking it's Kirsten Rosenbach. Kirsten Rosenbach. So good. Mm. Uh, Kirsten Rosenbach. <laughs> I think uh, when I think Rosenbach, I think Adam Rosenbachs, the Australian comedian. He's a big metalhead. Yeah. So I think very funny man. What Kirsten is uh, selling, uh, vintage vinyl uh, thrash metal LPs. Cool. But inside, <laughs> oh <of those>. no! Put <laughs> something flat. We've already done real estate. I'm running out. Yeah. Uh, I what's don't know inside of those is. Panadol. <gasps> Rapid. Oh, my God. 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow down there, Kirsten. If you've, uh, if you've got a headache, don't worry. This will fix you up pretty quick. Whoa. Yeah. What do they put in it to make it work faster? Speed. Ah. <laughs> the good stuff. Just yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. A little bit of speed. Hey, I would like to thank, bringing it slightly closer to home, from Achuka in Victoria, John Ebert. Oh, it's a good name. John Ebert. Uh, he's selling a paddle steamer. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chuka famous for the Murray River paddle steamers. Yeah. Um, the river, are they, is that where Riverport uh, soft drinks are from with the paddle steamer on probably, the label? Probably. Fantastic. Can't confirm or deny. That's a big thing to ship. Well, yeah, but it would only- But it ships itself, I guess. Exactly right. No, you don't yeah. need to put it on another ship. That'd That's be right. ridiculous. And only delivers if you live on the Murray. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Otherwise, pick up available. <laughs> well, there's actually, I mean, luckily, there's quite a lot of space to uh, store things in a paddle ship. That's right. And that the the new customer could absolutely do so. But this is just a paddle boat. <laughs> just a paddle. Exactly. There's, the Silk Road's used for many things. Many things. Well, you're touching your nose, Jess. I'm wondering, what do you mean no, by that? No, nothing. It's just a paddle boat. What, do you have no, a scratchy I say, nose? I say just a paddle boat. I mean, it. who's got a paddle boat? Well, now you. Yeah. Kirsten did, now you do. I mean, John Ebert did, now you do. God, you're well, I'm, I'm, I'm on a weird delay. <laughs> <laughs> on you, John. Good luck with the steamer. The steamer. And finally, I have to thank from location unknown, which I can only imagine means that they are located deep within the fortress of the moles. Unfortunately, 
the dark web does extend down there. I would like to thank Robin Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Robin Anderson. Uh, Robin is selling the Matrix. Whoa. (laughs) DVD? No. Oh. The system. The system. Whoa. The reality. And within the Matrix. Yes. What? Heroin. Oh. (laughs) Does it come in pill form? (laughs) That's the only one I could think of. I was like, what else have we done? I mean, that movie does, like Dave said, famously talk about pills. Okay. Well, it's got MDMA in it then. Oh, heroin and MDMA. No, just MDMA. Okay. First I'm, not, I'm not lying, heroin. She giveth and she taketh away. <laughs> Had to be pills. Sorry, so Robin. So you get Molly, okay? Enjoy. Oh, just does know the terms. You were joking before you were saying, I don't know them, but you do them. Yeah. So Molly is MDMA. Uh-huh. Is that what the M stands for? Molly. Molly DMA. That's right. Wow. <laughs> D- the DM is direct message. Oh. And hey? the A, Molly, direct message me, eh? <laughs> That's what it stands for. That's what it stands That's for. Stands Drugs for. are weird. I don't yeah. know what to tell yeah. you. I don't know what to tell Molly, direct message, I. <laughs> direct message, I. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Robin, John, Kirsten, Alan, Rachel, Roman, Catherine, Victoria, and Bastian. The last thing we need to do. The last thing we want and love to do. Absolutely. What a privilege. <laughs> is welcome in a few people into our Triptych Club. Now, how does a Triptych Club work, Bob, again? Well, think of it as an exclusive lounge. Once you enter, you may never leave. <laughs> We've got everything you could possibly want. An ice skating rink. Whoa. We've got- I have not opened that door. <laughs> I didn't know what was in there. It literally is labelled ice skating rink. Yeah, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> it's not. How big is this It's place? an ice skating rink. I thought that was like a ice skating rink. Tap your nose, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. What is it with you two and tapping your noses? <laughs> Just wanted people to have fun on the ice. <laughs> Me um, too. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Matt's at the door. He's got. He's going to lift the velvet rope. He's got the clipboard. He's going to welcome you into the club. Dave's on stage and he is going to hype you up. I'm going to hype him up because Matt says Dave's not very good at it. I say Dave's amazing at Thank it. Thank you. Um, I'm behind the bar. I'm behind the bar. Oh, the after party. After we welcome him in. Yeah. What are you serving? Cocaine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. No, Where'd you get it? it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Found, <laughs> I don't know. found it. I made a cocaine cocktail. Yeah. I've just put cocaine in vodka and stirred it up. Oh, my God. It's pretty gross. Yeah. But it will fuck you up. It'll f- numb your face. It'll, your whole face will be numb. It'll be fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Fun out. Okay. Take it at your own risk if you Dave, want. Have you booked a band for I this have, after party? I've have, have booked The Darkness. Yes. Oh. I believe in a thing. Which a band you've both seen live before. That's right. But this will be my first time. We were at the same gig. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the darkness. Touching you. Oh, and why well is that? Done. Because they're, um, they, well, I don't know if still, but we're definitely heavy into drugs for a while there. Mm. I was thinking, was it the dark web? Yeah, that's what uh, made me uh, cool. book them. That's better. Not think of it, book them. That's better. When I when I saw them um, the first time at Big Day Out, they played like a 40-minute set. And uh, is it Justin, the front man? Yeah. He did a costume change. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right, yeah. And he fit like he came, he changed into a sequence. It was a pink and white um leotard yep. onesie thing with their open front chest. This is how I remember it anyway. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's uh yep. after that I believed in a thing called love. <laughs> uh so that means we've just gotta welcome in 
the five names. I'm on the door. Did you say that, Jess? I'm going to yeah. read out your name, welcome you in, and then the hyping up begins. Are you ready? Ready. From Denver in Colorado, it's Alexis Gentry. <laughs> what an absolute gent. Yes. Tree. From Bradford in England, it's Jamie Chapman. <laughs> what an excellent chap, <laughs> man. Woo! From location unknown, can only assume, from deep within the fortress of the moles, it's Spaced Monkey. What an absolute monk <laughs> amongst men. From Robin Hill in New South Wales, it's Will Showenmaker. Oh, well, Will Showenmaking me crazy. Yes. And finally, from Mattingly in Victoria, it's Nathan Garnsworthy. You know this next guy? He's Garnsworthy, but he's also Triptychworthy. Yes. Welcome him in, Nathan. Woo! Welcome to the club, Nathan, Will, Spaced, Jamie, and Alexis. Uh, make yourselves at home. Grab a glass of cocaine vodka <laughs> and enjoy. <Or> don't. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually say probably, probably don't. Wouldn't. We've got other drinks. Yeah. Jess, do we have medics on standby? Nah. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> oh, no. With a first aid kit. Oh, God. Oh, and your certificate is well out of date. Yeah. Yeah, I would say don't drink those, um, but do enjoy the darkness. And thanks for joining us. Anything we need to tell? So just do a bit of scar there at the end. I love it. You can suggest a topic. Uh, there's a link in the show notes and also at dogoonpod.com, which is our website where you can find info on live shows, merch, all the good stuff. You can follow us on social media at dogoonpod. Um, and we love you. Dave, bring it home. Hey, thanks so much for being here, listening to our voices. And you can do that the exact the exact same thing next week when we come up with a new episode. But until then, I'll say thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Later. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.